was our career bust, which is what, $100 million? This had to have been an inside job. Everything went according to plan. But there was one thing they didn't plan on. Let's do this right. No gunshots, no dead bodies. Well, you know, if I recall correctly, the last couple dead bad guys belong to you. Please. You ain't even trying to compare body counts. Huh? 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 Should I keep going all day? I'm out. I'm out. I'm out. Detectives Mike Lowry and Marcus Burnett. Don't be alarmed, we're Negroes. Oh, man. That's too much bass in your voice. That scared white folks. You gotta sound like them. We were wondering if we can borrow a cup of brown sugar. On the Miami Police Force. I'll be back. You, you, something wrong with you. They don't follow the rules. You, you ain't with the bad guys, man. You with, you with the cops. They make them. Sir. Welcome to CBN Movie Night. I am your host, Rain Coleman. This podcast is a Carefree Black Nerd Movie Club, where we review and critique movies, both nostalgic and current. Today, I have with me none other than the social introvert himself, Sid Davis of BYNK Radio fame, the social introvert podcast, and of course, Knights in Gotham, very familiar voice. Uh, and we will be discussing another 90s cult classic. I don't know if you've heard of it. It's got a few installments. But we're starting with number one with Bad Boys. All right, man. Uh, on take three, go ahead and <laughs> introduce yourself, Russ. Say some stuff. <laughs> hey, what's going on? It's your boy, Sid Davis. You know, I just got the proper introduction. <laughs> I am the one and only host of the Social Introvert Podcast. I drop every Wednesday and Thursday. You can hear me on SoundCloud, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, the whole shebang. Wherever you get your podcasts, you can find me. Good, good deal, good deal. Sounds good to me. Now, uh, so we're going over Bad Boys. And for those of you who don't know, been sleeping under, or maybe you're young and weren't exposed, this is how this movie goes. Marcus Burnett is a hen-pecked family man. Mike Lowry is a footloose and fancy-free ladies' man. Both are Miami policemen, and both have 72 hours to reclaim a consignment of drugs stolen from under their station's nose. In addition to that, to complicate matters even further, in order to get the sole witness to a murder, they have to pretend to be one another. So this is like Freaky Friday meets... uh, I don't know. What is it? Um, Miami Vice. Me. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a smart premise. Yeah. Very smart. Uh. Um, you know, as a kid, I caught on what was going on. And I'm like, oh, man, this is going to end up really, really bad. Yeah. But it's just 
it, the many times that I've watched this movie, it's fun every single time, regardless of just knowing what's about to come. Yeah, no, no, I wholeheartedly agree. I agree. Now, with this movie, uh, let's see, we got a few details. This is an action, comedy, crime thriller, which I wholeheartedly agree, <laughs> again. Uh, this is also, let's see, uh, U.S. movie, of course, English is the language. Now, the budget, the budget was $19 million was the estimated budget at the, um, excuse me, for this movie. Open. Yes. Now, for 1995, that... 19 million and and out of the shit that was going there. <laughs> i you know like, yeah i guess because we're so we're, we're so like today's time these big budget movies they're just insane budgets yeah and you know with the movie explosions you know you got the michael bay explosions mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and the action and the choreography i just that's strange i didn't i didn't yeah yeah um and I'm not even one who's really good with numbers when it comes to movies and properties and stuff. Like, I, I kind of get it. I don't understand 100% what goes into it. Like, does that also include the salary of the big actors? Does that only include, like, the physical stuff? You know, so, but that to me seems like a lot for a 1995 movie. But two main black household, household names are the leading men. So I guess I could, I could see it. Um, let's see, opening weekend, it made 15 million, uh, let's see, uh, April uh, 9th of 1995, gross, uh, was $65 cumulative worldwide gross, $141 million. uh, let's see, production company, Don Simpson, Jerry Bruckheimer Films, uh, the runtime is 119 minutes, and I don't know, let's, um, yeah, it's, 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 it's a movie, it is a cult classic if we've ever seen one, so getting right into it, with Bad Boys, where were you, like, when, when, when Bad Boys came out, like, where were you in your life, what was your, your age, your, your stage in life, what the fuck was you doing? Man, I was, I was just starting first grade i remember that <clears throat> i was living in virginia uh, born in virginia but yeah that that's when i was living in va at the time uh-huh um man it, it was a, it was a whole lot going on man and i i remember i remember a lot of people talking about this but you know the adults mm -hmm, you know, my, mm -hmm. mom, my, my aunt <clears throat> i heard everybody talk about this when it first came out or when it was leading up to coming out yeah in the court uh they dragged me along to go see it yeah and this was shoot um honestly i'm trying to figure out when lion because you know lion king came out the year before mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, but yeah yeah that, I, I remember going to see it when it first dropped yeah uh I know it was somewhere in the spring, close to the summer, but yeah, yeah. more so the spring. Yeah, this this is, I don't know, man. Having Martin on TV, having uh, the Fresh Prince, having these black staples who you know, I just, it, bruh, I was a child, and I, it was just, I don't know, like, I remember, and I may have told this story before, being a kid 
watching an episode of Martin, and there was a basketball player. I do not remember who it was, but the guy was like at least 6'6", and had to bend down to get into the apartment. And I remember as a kid thinking, oh, that's not real. That's not, this is fake. This is made up. And then to turn on the dime and see like Martin and <laughs> like I, I'm just in this space where as a kid just learning about a lot of different shit like men or people who are exceptionally tall and then seeing familiar faces from one property into another because by this time um, I had seen school days like my cousin was an AKA and she made sure all the little cousins watched school days so it's school days house party uh, this shit, uh, Martin living single, uh, in living color, and seeing all these different, I, I don't know, at this point I'm rambling, because I, I really do like this movie, and after re-watching it for the show, I realize I like it much more than I remember, like, this is a fucking good movie, like, <laughs> period, um, okay, so we open up on these motherfuckers, uh, Mike Lowry and uh, Mark is driving in. What is this? What kind of car is it? Do you remember? Um, yes, Porsche nine eleven GT. <laughs> oh my lord! Yeah, this man got his eyes closed, <laughs> reminiscing. Oh. <laughs> Damn! And then they showed it again in Gone in sixty seconds. Yeah, the newer version. Uh huh. Man. I've been in love with that car ever since I've seen it. Okay. You got it. You got it. Well, then you must understand Mike Lowry's uh, concern of eating food in his vehicle, which is such an interesting way, and I think it was such a good um, opening for this movie, and it really set the stage for what the fuck you were going to get throughout the rest of it. Um, I think you get their both of their personalities, you get um, clearly how different they are in the way they dress. You get what's important to the other one and what's important to the other. You know, I feel like this opening, maybe like, what, two, three minutes of them riding in the car, arguing, and then ultimately whooping some ass, it's perfect. That It's like one of the best, one of the best openings. Because I didn't expect that to yeah. come down when I first seen it. Yeah. I was like, what the it's like, okay. Yeah, yeah. They uh, they they bicker and argue. Uh, they get uh, cars. No, no, excuse me. They pull up, I don't know, I think at a stoplight or maybe on the side of the, uh, just, I, yeah, just yeah, yeah. Yeah, they were being followed and they got pulled over. And a lady uh, in a white form-fitting uh, painted-on dress walks by. Which, kept, which, again, only further emphasizes, like, the difference, like... The, because Martin looked, uh, or Marcus, whatever, looked, excuse me, but Mike Lowry looked. Like, I stare. Ah, it's perfect, man. Um, yeah, and then they get carjacked, or semi-carjacked, quote-unquote, and uh, they end up bickering. And it seemed, even after rewatching it after a few years, it seemed like, they're arguing because this is what the fuck they do, but they have this connection that, um, yeah. to speak on another show, that Sophie and Kate should have, where they knew, you know, oh, we got a Wilson, man. bruh. It's funny to me, man, because in that scene where it's like, get out of the car, and 
And then he turned and looked at, at Mike. He said, why you always got to give me the big dick, motherfucker? <laughs> Man. And I, I remember being little and never catching on to that. Yeah. And then maybe a couple years later, man, I couldn't stop laughing at that. I would rewind that part every single time. Yes. 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 Even the short one, the little one, you know, not really. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I was as combative as Mike Lowry. Um, with watching this, one thing I thought because I did a little live tweet uh, a couple days ago at the time of this recording. Have Martin and Will Smith been in anything else together, like any other movies or shows? Because I couldn't think of nothing. No. And that in itself makes this franchise, or this film that ultimately became a franchise, one of the, I would say, and listeners, um, if I'm incorrect, uh, or if y'all disagree or agree, let me know. I would say this is very much like the one of the best or iconic buddy cop type movies. Um, I, I <sighs> see people get on me about this, but mm-hmm. I say it's modern. It's our modern day lethal weapon. That's what I was thinking. I I couldn't get the work, but you're absolutely right. I agree. I agree. Like I and, and still and I lo- man, I love the hell out of lethal weapon. That's, yeah, I put that over bad boys. Uh huh. Uh-huh. It's our is today's lethal weapon. I agree. I agree. And I don't think anything else has come close. Like, I think there's good movies and shows out there. But with that being said, I don't think there's been another. Mo- well, Rush Hour was kind But I don't. Yeah. I, don't I don't. I know somebody. Go ahead. Now that you say that, I have, I have a coworker. Me and him got into it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like, man, I, you know, bad boys is all right, man. But, you know, <laughs> I've always preferred rush hour over bad. And then the whole break room turn, we were like, what the? Yeah. Like, rush hour is good, but it ain't no bad boys. Yeah. The, the, the matchup of the buddy cop, um, you know, relationship mm-hmm. is just as good. But at the same time, I it's hard. I don't know. Because I, I also love Chris Tucker and Jackie Chan. No, I agree. I think Rush Hour is good, but I don't think, I think because Jackie Chan is not a comedic actor, it is, or he's not a comedian, rather. I think that Rush Hour is very good, but to me, it's family-friendly good. Whereas, and, I don't yeah. think that's what Bad Boys is. I think Bad Boys, of course, black people, we just watch it with family, but I think Rush Hour is more a family friendly buddy cop mix-up um and by, yeah, and by the third one people people wanted to see it but they were kind of tired of it yeah like okay i mean it's just the same thing mm-hmm. the black asian jokes and and that's yeah. and that's another part that i think is to his detriment uh i know that we're in a different time and that movie those same jokes wouldn't be made now but that aside it it very much it leaned heavily into the oh this Chinese this Asian guy can't speak English well can't understand it, it, it very it leaned into like a problematic area which I don't think is is wrong. let me see let me word this correctly I think at the time it was made that's just what we were laughing at but even at the time it was made it was after this was made and I still think this aged better I think. Bad Boys is a better franchise, just period. Some people that would disagree. 
and and that's fine, you know. It's okay to be wrong. No, <laughs> from, from the from the bad boys for life reviews, there's a lot of people coming out saying that. Oh, okay. Uh, you know, going back to watch Bad Boys and Bad Boys Two, these these two films didn't age well. And I'm like, huh? I I think. That, see, okay, I have at the time of this recording, I have not seen Bad Boys for Life. Have you? Yes. Okay. Okay. So I haven't seen it. Do you? Do you agree that? Or I guess, what is your take on uh, the first and second Bad Boys having now seen the third one? Like, does it feel like a a, a, a good franchise? A seem like what's your thoughts yeah, on it? Yeah, it's a seamless franchise, especially how many years it took in between each one. Mm-hmm. Almost to the point is like you grew up with it. Like everybody mm-hmm. that's onto that film grew mm-hmm. up with it, and you know Marcus Burnett. Mike Lowry, they're older. They can't really move like they used yeah. to. Move. Martin Lawrence cracking jokes, saying he's too old for this type of thing. And you know, um, Mike Lowry comes into you know this moment of PTSD and paranoia. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's a lot going on. Okay, so, okay. Yeah, it, mm. I, I can't say anything negative of the first two. It's just so seamless. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's, it's like Toy Story. Yeah. I can go to each one when they come out with one. Mm-hmm. Grown with that. Mm-hmm. It's so seamless. Yeah. Okay. And that's good to hear. And, I, uh, you know, everybody entitled to their opinion. So if you don't like it, you don't like it. But I think a lot of times when people say stuff, my first thing is, who are these critics? Like, I, I'm, I'm going I think to. It's just a, a hot take to try to stand, um, basically stand outside of the realm of people who actually love this movie yeah. and what it is. Okay. With no judgment. Yeah. I could see that. I mean, hell, we in this social media age, so yeah. Um <laughs> no, nah, for, for nigga. Um really quickly, I completely forgot this, but <laughs> please use the hashtag CBN Movie Club when you're listening to this episode, make it a conversation, let us know what you're thinking, what you're not thinking. If you agree, disagree, any questions we might ask each other or to you, please engage. Let this be a conversation. Um, but yeah, now, now what were you saying? Oh, no, I was I was just saying, people, um, as of recent, they see this movie come out. And, you know, it's people in our age groups. Mm-hmm. Some of them, you know what? Not really too familiar with familiar with this franchise. I'm like, How? And they're like, well, you know, the... You know, going back and after seeing this and going back and watching the first two, this doesn't hold up well. And I'm like, fam, what are you talking about? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but to each its own with their opinion. I don't know. <clears throat> I don't know what type of lens they're looking from. Maybe yeah. they're really looking from a movie critic standpoint. Mm-hmm. But with me, this is, I guess it, I hold more onto it because these are two people who had primetime, the biggest primetime TV show yep. at the Martin was just ending. Fresh Prince was kind of on its way out with two more seasons. And it's just to see these come together. It was like, oh, shit. Man, the only thing that would have, I ain't going to say made it better. But now now that you say what you just said, is if Queen Latifah had been in this movie. Because I'm like, you got Living Single, you got Martin, you got Fresh Prince. If there was a way to... Have all three of them wrapped up in this shit like that? Oh, like a lot, yeah. Like our favorite sitcoms. I yeah, that. yeah. But like the uh, favorites and have their own films. And mm-hmm. 
one thing I like about this movie, with everything we've said, is you get movies like House Party. Um, my mind is blank right now, forgive me, but a lot of the black movies that we watched that were from the 80s, late 80s, early 90s, and I could be wrong, but my perception is a lot of the stuff, stuff we know about. And there's a lot of actors that we just know about. Like, hey, a fucking Black Lightning, Chris, he is Black Lightning now, and motherfuckers know him now, but I remember seeing him on Living Single. You know what I'm saying? So there's people who we know of, and I feel like with this movie, it was kind of a way that you brought a lot of blackness into the forefront, where now it's on a global stage. Um, and I say that because I think... And I was a child at the time, but like House Party was something that we just knew about. I was transferring in third grade to a predominantly white school. And there were a lot of things that I would talk about that I would hear in my household and my family that these motherfuckers had no idea. But when you get around to there being a Bad Boys or a Will Smith or hell, even Men in Black to go that route, that's something that it seemed like everybody because will smith is a palatable uh black man and martin is a funny guy they might not know blue streak but they know bad boys how do you not know blue streak look that guy had that shit on vhs but i love blue streak yes yes okay um okay so what were your initial thoughts can you remember that like when you was a kid like if you like oh this shit is cool or this shit whack or no, it was cool. I was, you know, a kid. Like, I mean, shit. I'm, I'm just starting first grade, so I'm still at the age where I'm kind of, you know, at that age, just still moving around and you know, not paying attention and just in your own little world. Mm-hmm. Going to see this movie. I'm already like my grandmother. Me and my grandmother would always watch a lot of shows, and then like the one show that we would watch before I go to sleep. Uh, because you know school nights whatever mm-hmm. she made sure that we would watch the back-to-back episodes of fresh prince okay um same thing with you know martin i'm familiar with martin already so that was a plus going into the theater sitting down see these two eyes glued to the screen michael bay uh explosions and gunfire mm-hmm. scenes mm-hmm. i'm glued to the screen so it Really, it held my attention. Yeah. And I thought it was great. I agree. Everything you said, I agree, yeah. And then, <laughs> you know, my, my mom had bought the VHS when it came out. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and I would, I would watch that shit all the time. Man, VHS, man. I still have a box of motherfucking VHSs. From like Disney movies, old school bootleg movies, black movies. Hell, I got Lord of the Rings on two VHSs. Um... Me and my mom used to watch that shit. Uh, we open up, and speaking of Blue Streak, this opening after the carjacking that didn't happen, uh, we get this kind of uh, infiltration heist. into this build, the heist. That's what it is. But it very much reminded me of Blue Streak as well. Um, we got the, the dopey. Dope. I did not think of that until just now. Yeah, no, me either. Like, when I watched it, it didn't. But until now, going over the movie, I'm like, okay, yeah, that's very much Blue Street. Um, We get this dopey-ass security guard who's doing nothing. He gets stabbed in the neck. Um, A police officer, rather, with this long-ass needle. 
motherfuckers walk in, break some chains, and go into evidence locker and steal a whole bunch of dope. What is this, cocaine or? Yeah, so I'm not no drug connoisseur, but I don't know. Evidence, hell, it's narcotics. day when I watched the movie, was it cocaine or was it heroin? I, I don't know. Y'all listening? It was cocaine. Okay, cocaine. That that sounds good to me. Well, I mean, it sounds correct to me. <laughs> and I did like watching this. It also kind of reminded me of the Super Mario movie um, when they were on that bed sliding through that tunnel. But with the... <laughs> might have to do that for an episode, god damn it. Um, yeah, so we, we get the... And I really like this. One... It's a it's a movie of its time. We don't have all these iPhones and fantastic uh, machinery. We have stuff that's advanced for that time, and that's something that can be recreated. But it has like if you wrote a story or a movie that was set in the '90s, you would have to be really thorough, or else it could look like, all right, nigga, you can't just say they pulled out a. Pretentious YouTubers mm. doing reviews. This scene right here, yeah. they easily pull out an iPhone. I'm like, bro. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. No. The damn 90s. I, I, and that's what I love about this. And that's what I like about these older movies is you're getting so much. They had limited technology. I'm sure they was probably working on iPhones and new fancy shit we got now, but they didn't have that in the public eye. So for these guys to break in. I especially love spy movies that are older. Then the break in, uh, what is it? Put some like nitrogen or some cold ass ice on the lock. Break that shit. Use this fucking go kart looking thing to send the drugs back up the way they can. Like that, I was just, I was impressed. I was impressed. That used to be like my favorite, like the opening after after they busted the carjackers and it goes into uh, this bombastic music the soundtrack yeah and it's this overlook of miami mm-hmm. and then it gets to that heist it's just like damn what the hell like what's about to happen for yeah. real for real yeah i always watch and that's the reason why i always watch that movie because um with vhs vhs tapes you could always fast forward or yeah shit get you know get to the real start of the film but it's like every time I'm like, no, I have to watch this from the jump yeah. and watch the whole cityscape. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, that used to be my favorite part of the movie. Yeah. I, okay, okay, I can see that. Um, next opening, or I guess the actual start of, not actual, but the 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 calm before the storm, we got uh, Martin, excuse me, Marcus laid up with his wife. And now, watching this again as an adult, and I, if I got to take heat for it, that's fine. Uh, but I was very annoyed at his wife. And it's not necessarily her. It, it is her, but it's not just her. Because I get annoyed at a lot of different uh, people in this position. I feel like when you marry a cop or a firefighter or somebody who has a very dangerous position, even though he's working in narcotics and not like homicide, it's still... It's still something to be uh, kind of aware of. And I think that she is, pretty much she wants quality time. And right. we get the sense that they haven't had it in a while. But I was like, but so, you, go ahead. I, I see what you're saying now. Okay. See, that would always kind of like, well, man, I'm like, the dude is a detective. 
you know, see, he kind of can't help it. I always noticed that, but I always liked his wife. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I love her. With, especially the build-up, everything. I was like, man, I wish she was more prominent in mm-hmm. Bad Boys 2 and 3. Mm-hmm. But then again, I'm like, you know, maybe maybe it would have gotten old and stale yeah. eventually. But I really liked her in the first one. Yeah, I did too. I did. I really like the aesthetic is being an older black movie or well, older movie that happens to have a lot of blacks in it. The style of dress, the hairstyles, the uh, fucking the, the houses themselves, even though this is um, in L.A., or excuse me, Miami. I, ha- I grew up in Michigan. We've had houses like this. We had decor like this. Like, so it, yes, in Miami, but it could be anywhere. Um, yeah, so I had an issue with her and this quality time thing, but then, though I still kind of have that issue, the flip side is, this motherfucker lied about shit or didn't just explain shit that could have remedied the situation. Like, she probably still would be mad, but the whole time, I was like, nigga, just tell her the fucking truth, but then we wouldn't have a movie. So, (laughs) Mm mm-mm. Um, that, that's actually till this day, uh, because I said the opening of the movie is yeah. my favorite. The build up, everything when it, everything comes to light is one of my. That's my favorite part. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That I had actually. I had forgot about that scene, so when I rewatched it, I was like, I, was, I don't remember this happening this way, and I think they they played it perfect. I think they did, and even that scene kind of remind me of white chicks like. That looks like a little bit of, that white chick scene amplifies this very mm-hmm. uh, yeah whatever uh, okay so <laughs> we move on to Uncle Mike Lowry coming in the house the key is talking to him uh, in this movie Marcus has three kids right is it three boys and a girl or does he have just three boys mm. I think he has three boys and a girl. Yeah, three boys and a girl. And the one boy's like, man, that's good. Talk about me, my head big and my eyes or some shit. And I just, again, representation, the little man, him and Martin, they both what, 5'2? Yeah. I don't know, fam. Like, I don't have that height deficiency, but there's guys up there who do. So I did like that whole. I don't know, man. I just, it's a solid movie. It's a solid... It's I, I black. I always relate to that scene, too. Because I always got made fun of for my height. <sighs> Niggas could not make fun of me for being the fastest runner, though. Mm. Alright, I'll put your ass in the foot race, though. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, your head big. Your ears big. I'm like, yeah, I can still outrun your ass, though. This nigga... <laughs> no, for real. Um, We get... A phone call from their boss to get cussed out. You got to come the fuck in here. We got to get this shit together. Go in to find out the aftermath of the night before. They was fucking robbed. Now, this chick that comes in, I didn't get her name. White lady. Got a real funny mullet looking blonde cut with a blue, I don't know, homegirl from Internal Affairs. I believe that's who she is. Um, Which is... Now, I've been studying writing a bit, so I know you have, like, the regular shit that happened in the inciting incident that pops off the movie, which I think is them robbing the place. Or it may be 
you know what? I'm going to leave it there because I don't even want to be mis misspeaking. But I know that I like the way this movie layers on its problems, both big and small, because you got the narcotics that are stolen, which is huge. You got to get them back. But then you also got this other external force that's like, you niggas get this shit together or your ass is done. This this department is closed. Uh, fuck her. Fuck her. Um, about some reassigned. I'm like, what? Yeah. Like, if they can't get the shit together, like. I'm thinking, are you motherfuckers gonna help? Like, what you expect? I don't know. Um. So yeah, they're sent out. Uh, Chief is like, look, you motherfuckers gotta find out what the fuck happened. We got these two other niggas that y'all work with. They gonna help you out. Um, and for some reason, the two guys who are also in the police force, I just knew they were going to be villains. I don't know if it's just the nature of the shit I watched growing up that had me conditioned like, oh, they're bad guys, which they, they're not, spoiler alert. Um, I don't know, they just look shady to me. So, um... Yeah, you know, going back and, and looking at it, um... Or not going back and looking at it, but from when I first watched it, I kind of got that notion as well. I, I figured towards the end, mm -hmm. you know, surprise, <laughs> like we're villains too. We're on their side, and I'm like, oh shit. But the the chemistry between you didn't get to see them much, but mm -hmm. interaction between that dude, you know, that duo, and then you know Marcus, and then Mike Lowry, yeah. Bickering and talking shit to each other is, is great. I do, I do like that. And I wonder what a girl thought about because I went. To, I mean, I had girl cousins. We watched stuff together. But looking at it now, with the roles that women had in this film, I wonder what girls thought of this movie. Like it was just oh, a fun action movie. Not to say that they had to feel like. It was made for them or not. It's just, it's an action movie. But because Taya Leone is the main, is pretty much the only woman. We have a few outliers like uh, Marcus's wife. But because she is the only woman who's like, in all of the goddamn movie, what did that look like to a black girl watching this film? Yeah. I wonder. I wonder. Um, and then, uh, Maxine, too. Um, yeah, Max Logan. Wait. His, his, Mike's homegirl. Yeah. Ex-girlfriend. Yeah. She, uh, yeah, the sex worker. And I think they handled her well, too. She, uh, they called her prostitute, which, uh, it was the correct term back then. Now you would say sex worker. But even with that, I felt like her role in the film, it was short-lived. I honestly feel like her and Taya Leone should have had, should have switched roles. Me personally. I I thought it would have been even as a kid because when I when I saw her on film on film on screen and then I saw Taylor Leone and then Max ultimately dies or gets murdered I was like well what the fuck you you just built up this backstory huh? yeah you you got us invested you built up this backstory and I know that's part of it because you want us to feel the loss but. I feel like she was going too soon. Even in the movie, if you were going to kill her, that's, I don't know, I just, 
I don't know. I just feel like it was it was gone too soon. It was, she was gone too soon, man. Yeah, I mean, in that scene when, when those guys came up, I, I knew I was like one of them was about to get yeah popped, man. And, I, and then I was like, it's probably the white girl. Yeah, and I sure thought it was enough. gonna yeah. I was like, come on. That's like, damn. You could at least. I I would have been cool with letting both of them get away, and then maybe later on one of them. Uh, goes but you know just to yeah right kill maxine when we barely barely even get to see her i'm like oh who's this chick yeah and she was beautiful too i'm like man why i don't know i'll never get up but i mean again that's the sign of the times black women um just leave it alone they uh so yeah they meet with her talk a little bit um, getting some intel, and I do like the detective work that goes on throughout the film. Like, I, I not even just this film. I just like seeing people. I like seeing writers write these scenes, and they do it in a way that makes sense. And I feel like everything that they uncovered and they found out, it wasn't just handed to them. Like, oh, she got shot with a white dress, so we got to go to the wedding dress factory, and now that's where the killer works. Like, I felt like we were learning what the fuck happened. So, yeah, I enjoyed that. I enjoyed that. Uh, yeah, man, Max was gone too soon, man. Beautiful brown skin girl. And brown skin too. Yeah. Not a racially ambiguous, light-skinned girl with, I don't know, bone-straight hair. She was just, she was a cousin. You knew a girl that looked like that at school. Maybe one of your family members looked like her. Maybe a teacher. She was just a... Uh, round the way, girl. No. Uh, she, <laughs> I, oh, man. Brown-skinned women. So, they talking, her and uh, Mike, and Marcus was a lot of, like, even though they're both comedic, they had their little moments and stuff, Martin really, I felt, was the more, um, not just like he was the punchline, but he was more comedy to me than Will was. Um, not by a whole hell of a lot, but just in the nature of the roles that they occupied in the film, I feel like he was just more of the comic relief, but also he was very much Martin from Martin. That's what he was to me. Um, shit. So we find uh, follow another lead, and we come to a house with a dead guy, maggots on his chest. That, <laughs> you talking about um, when he they when they went to the house and then they thought the door was locked. Yeah, one of them pushes it and the door just opens. Bruh. Oh, oh my god. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We wondered if we could borrow some brown sugar. <laughs> Man, I hated this scene. I didn't hate it. I actually loved it. What? But I hated that they were touching everything. Because I, as oh, yeah. mostly every other little kid who stayed with their grandparents, I watched Law and Order like crazy as a kid. And so I was like, I don't think they're supposed to be just touching this shit with their bare hands and moving stuff around. <laughs> This crotch. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> man, yeah. 
Um, so this man's neck been slashed. They didn't find paperwork and shit. Martin about to throw up, or Mark, excuse me, about to throw up. Uh, and Michael's like, man, why are you like this every time we're around a dead body? And he said something about, like, we work in narcotics, not in homicide. And I was like, but still, man, you an officer, narcotics, there's death involved. <laughs> like, you can't be squeamish around a dead body, man. I like how they kept that going mm, in mm-hmm. Bad Boys 2 at the morgue. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. is my favorite scene from Bad Boys 2. Just, man, Just I like them. Um, so you, after this, we do get the difference between the two again. Um, I think this is where we learn, or maybe we learned this earlier and I just don't remember, but how Mike is a trust fund baby. Because you see his car in the beginning versus Marcus's car now, and it's very different. <laughs> you got the, the hatchback hoop thing. Yeah. The baby seat. Yes, yes, uh, yes, yes, this is true. He, uh, yeah, there, there's a shift. There's a shift there, and this time uh, Marcus is in control. He's driving. And, uh, again, I like this dynamic. I like seeing them together, and I think, it's probably this series and this movie especially is probably so um, held in such a high regard because I can't remember them being anything else. So I have nothing else to compare this duo to other than this. So yeah, it's it's its own thing. Yeah, man, and, and less is more. If you get one solid good season of a show you like. And they ended, but it was perfectly written and acted and ended. It's like, ah, you see them actors again, that's cool, but this is your thing. This is your yeah. shit. And that's how I feel about this. Um, yeah, it's a lot of um, conversation uh, that I don't think I see a lot of. Well, no, let me not say that. It's black men having conversations about feelings, calling each other out, and still remaining close and not just because they are partners i think if they weren't cops they would still be friends that's the sense i got from this right uh i just you don't see that in a whole lot of films today man it's like everything's got to be uh like just quick like get to the point mm -hmm. blah 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 Mm -hmm, no mm -hmm. sense of uh dialogue and this scene right here i mean with the few lines that they had, yeah. you know, just pissing each other off, talking shit. Yeah. That was enough. Yeah. Yeah. I liked it. I like, man, I don't know. And I could be looking through rose colored glasses cause I love the nineties and the eighties, but I really like this film. Um, we get to what I think is a, let me make sure I'm, I may not be saying this right, but a brothel. No. Um, the, Love House, I don't know. We get to Max, who is the sex worker, and who I think is maybe her madam, taking calls and, like, scheduling girls. And it's one guy who she's like, yeah, he uh, he really wants, he's called me two or three times in the last hour, and he wants a girl, this and that. And I was thinking, man, that's not like a red flag to me. Even right. back then, before cell phones being what they are now, 
you calling me back to back to back, and I'm telling you I ain't got no girls for you, and you still call, or I'm going to call you back. I won't send nobody to that motherfucker. Mm-mm. No, no fam. Uh, but Max I'm goes. I'm not even understanding. It's a lot of, it's a lot of stuff in this movie. Watching, because I watched it the most growing up when you know being younger. Yeah. And I didn't understand half the shit that was really going on, but you know some of the parts I would catch onto and laugh at, and, and you know so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. Now, man, it's just like. I was like, damn, man, this is a good plot. This is a good, well-written story. Mm-hmm. Sex workers and one of the, the, you know, the sex workers that happens to be the witness gets involved and so fucking well-written. Yeah, and I like the way they handled Max. Like, she was a sex worker. They called her a prostitute, but she wasn't. She was more or less, I guess, more like an escort. And yeah. It wasn't a yeah, more along the lines of that. She, yeah, yeah, that's good, really. It wasn't a like holiday heart situation. Not to say that sex workers who work on the street are less than, but that's a very easy default to say here. This is here. She's strung out or whatever else. And I do like the way they handle because hell, you could have just as easily said Max was a law student or a I don't know a, a, a retail manager or any because. It, none, none of her title detracted from her role in the film. Um, right. But, yeah. So, Taya Leone, talk to me about her. Is this the first time that you saw her, that white woman? Or? The very first time I've seen her. Mm, mm. I liked her. I liked her. I liked her. But I know she was in stuff before, but it, it was this movie that introduced me to her. Okay. And then, after this... You know, I you know Spanglish comes along, Jurassic mm-hmm. Park three comes along, and then now she's in a whole she's in a new TV series. Yeah, now, and it's now I wouldn't think that's the same woman from mm-hmm. Bad Boy. I'm not you mentioned Spanglish. That's where I have Taya Leone in my head. I remember her being in Bad Boys, but because Spanglish was a movie that I used to watch over and over again, like just having it on repeat in the background. I'm used to her there. So if I think of her, that's where my head goes first. Back then, she gave me like pink, uh, white woman adjacent to blackness vibes. Because I was like, oh, she look kind of, you know, party of five-ish, you know, uh, very spicy white. And uh, <laughs> I think she, she played her role and I liked her. But I wonder... Like, what made her take this? Okay, what I'm trying to say. I I think that, and it's ever apparent, especially in music, that a lot of white people, women especially, get into a certain genre or in a certain space to get clout or to get the recognition, which, I mean, it's your career, do what you want, but I still have feelings. Yeah. But they get there, and then when they get to a certain point, it's like you go off and do other shit, and you turn your back on... The shit that started you, we, i.e., Miley Cyrus, that's one. Um, and I don't, I don't know of any disparaging things that Taylor Leone has said about black people. I'm not even saying that she has, but I'm like, I don't, I can't recall her being in anything else like this. No, I, you know, but but even then, like, <clears throat> even with, with you know Taylor Leone, 
um, she wasn't, from what I was told, she wasn't like this big thing until Bad Boys because they say that Bad Boys was her breakthrough, mm-hmm. her break, no mate, basically. I'm sure. I could see why. And um, and, and but I I do remember her. I really remember her in Spanglish. Mm-hmm. Um, oh yeah, she was she was Jane and fun with Dick and Jane with Jim Carrey. Now that yes, I do remember. I forgot that that was her, but I do remember yeah. that movie. Yeah. Oh, that was like. But that's what I'm saying. When you when you watch her in other movies, mm-hmm. like well, I, I guess I, let me speak for myself. <laughs> uh, I wouldn't have thought it was the same woman. Actually. I said that to myself. I'm like, is that the same? Mm-hmm, is, mm-hmm. Is that the witness from Bad Boys? Yeah. And my mom, she was like, yeah, that's the same woman. Yeah. Damn, she looked different. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They, and hell, the same could be said for Jennifer Lopez. If you look at her as a fly girl and being with Diddy, oh, yeah. and then you watch something like Angel Eyes, you're like, Ugh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> hold up, Made in Manhattan. Well, but either way. Yeah, I, I um, <sighs> I still think she did her, I think she did well in this movie. I was annoyed at a lot of shit she did, but I was just as annoyed at the shit that Marcus did. So it's not like she was horrible. I just was like, motherfucker, you fucking, you making shit worse. Um, so these drug user, dealer, thieves, heisters have murdered Max Logan, shot her in the chest. Um... Taya Leone get out, take off running, and she going over roofs. She jump into a pool. I thought these henchmen were absent-minded as fuck. Like you ain't have, you didn't have to jump after her, but I would have been firing all types of shots into that pool if I really was trying to kill her. That's just me. I, I, <clears throat> I just this scene, the chase scene. Uh... Man, it's one scene, uh, one little small camera shot mm-hmm. where they're running up, uh, and she's running through the, I think the stairs or something. Yeah, you get it's like get her white ass or no. some shit like that. <laughs> you can hear it just off in the distance, bro. It's, it's like those little lines used to make me laugh. Yeah, but her jumping from the, there's no way. Mm-mm. No way. How did you gauge that? I don't see how. Remember when she was getting ready to jump off? Mm-hmm. They were right there. I don't see how they weren't firing off at her ass. And while she was falling into the pool, you still could have been getting them shots off. Like, I was like, what is this? The moment she, was, she hit that walker, boom. Out of, yeah, firing right into. It's like five of us. broken, arms broke. Like, you would have been done. That was pretty fucking high up. Yes, I wholeheartedly agree. Again, wholeheartedly. See, when we first saw it, my aunt, she's like, ain't no way this bitch about to make it. <laughs> <laughs> no, for real. Um, after that, we find that, well, Mike Lowry is at the scene with Marcus, and ah, they uncover Max's body, and he is going. How did you feel Will did with his acting? Especially in this scene with him uh, being sad. He did good, man, because it was like he goes into the body. And it was just so unexpected. He was like, oh, man, let me check this out or whatever. Mm-hmm. Looking at the glass, the lipstick. And he's like, I forgot the line he said, but 
he just goes over and he looks, pulls the sheet, and boom, like his face just the whole fucking mm-hmm. his attitude, everything just shut down. And he mark, you know, you're Marcus. He's like, hey, bro, what you got over there? Yeah. He just closes it back up. Marcus looks at it. And he, you didn't see him until, like, after the investigation. He's just leaning up on the car, just looking down. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it it was sad. Um, as a kid, I think I was, like, not necessarily sad, just like, oh, that's fucked up. But as an adult, I'm like, yeah. man, having been in multiple relationships and dated folks and falling for folks, and it was a small thing, but I had such high hopes for Max in this film that even I was just, like, hurt by her being dead and knowing that, you know, they had a thing for each other. Ah, did not help. Did not help. What bothers me, though, the one thing that bothers me is they have him written as this playboy hotshot, big ego, and they do it in the first two films, but the third film, they still, they they do it to some extent, Mm -hmm. but they decide to play on his ego. Okay. Until the fact that you're older, we're going to give you a challenge. Mm. And it really fucks with him. I'm like, why couldn't he do that in the first one? Or the second one? I mean... I, I don't know. They did it really... It did, It played out really well in Bad Boys for Life. But okay. Fam, they did that in the first Bad Boys. That would have been something. Yeah. I might have it to was, go see that. You can act so well. Okay. What is... Oh, my shit froze. Okay. Um, no, no. This I'm, I'm, I'm trying. I'm looking through it. Um, Taya. What was her name in here? Julie. Oh, I wasn't going to remember that. <laughs> yeah. Julie Leone. No. Um, she calls the station looking for Mike because she knew that Mike and uh, Max had a thing, you know, going on, all that shit. Uh, while she's doing that, Mike take his ass back to the damn spot to the gentleman's club. I don't know the house, the sex. House, I don't know what to call it. Yeah. And uh, to find the the madam lady is dead. I, this is again another reason why this is not. This is a movie the family could watch, but this ain't no family film. No, uh, she's dead as the fuck. He get knocked the fuck out a window. Uh, Taya calls, and she's like, look, man, I need to speak to Mike Lowry. He's the only person I'm going to fucking talk to. Fuck y'all. What the fuck? And this is where we get the parent trap of it all. We get Because Marcus is at the station, and uh, the chief with his neurotic ass is, like, forcing him to be Mike Lowry. I I like this. I, I it, it felt that's been great. Yeah, yeah, it was believable. I liked it. You gotta talk sexy to him. Sexy. I'm like, how do you know that? Yeah, like what's what's your thoughts on Mike Lowry, young man? What do you what's um that that being said, this next scene I really liked as well. So what happens is Marcus shows up at the apartment. Knocks on the door. He show her his badge. He's like, yeah, it's me. I'm Mike Lowry, whatever. He opens the door. We see Julie has the bat in her hand, but she attacks this motherfucker. And at first, I was like, why the fuck is she doing that? He just showed you who she was. And she's like, motherfucker, you ain't Mike Lowry. 
I know my homegirl, Max. She wouldn't be fucking with no nigga like you. You look like... So, and then, I was like, shit. She described me. This, she described me. Yeah. Yeah. You ain't it. Um, yeah, I, don't, I don't know. I just... I like that whole setup. Because I think it had it have went... Had she have not addressed it, especially because Mike and Marcus look so different, it probably wouldn't have read as well or, or showed up as well um, if she hadn't have addressed it, so I do like that, uh, also, I'm, I was kind of thinking, like, they both were, they both were pretty attractive guys, but you can tell that in this movie, Will was supposed to be the guy, uh, so yeah, they might, and I, can admit that Will Smith is probably more aesthetically pleasing overall just because that's America, we know, the world, colonizers and such. He's a lighter skin, he's taller, he's more uh, muscular. But I wonder what it was like. Both of these niggas got TV shows. Both of these motherfuckers got a little bit of fame. And then you look at the script and you like, you not the suave, smooth guy. You the funny short nigga. Like, you, I wonder, what was that like? like but Martin, that was the, that's the thing, too, because Martin never cared. He was just like, yo, um, the fact that Will Smith is regarded as such, they were, they were banking on Will Smith to be this action guy, mm-hmm. you know, and hopping around and punching people. Mm-hmm. Martin was like, he can have that. I'll be the funny guy. <laughs> I'll crack the jokes. I do a little, you know, here and there and mm-hmm. say some silly shit. But other than that, nah, I ain't doing none of that action shit. Yet. Okay. And I mean, and it it worked. It worked because, and I say all this, and I don't for those of you who haven't seen it for whatever reason, please watch. But um, he was never. They, no one ever called him ugly, and so, and I, I'm I'm probably talking around it, but I'm just trying to. Make, let it be known, they both are attractive. Mar- Martin is very much a black man. He has those features, dark skin, everything. But in this day and age, I, I wonder if this movie was made now, would you have two people competing for the Mike Lowry spot versus the Marcus spot? I wonder. For the Mike spot. I wonder. Uh, yeah, but I, I liked him in the fo- in the movie. Like you said, he did his comedy thing. Everything he did worked. Um, and hell, at this point, he had been in so many movies and shows where this was like his wheelhouse like and not to say he's not a good actor but i think the way he was in house party matches very closely with martin matches very closely with this film so you know there's that um i like how he set julie straight like okay yeah what the fuck ever this then the third you need me you call me you fuck me over these niggas know where you live they're coming after you then what you gonna do so you can fight about me not looking like what you want me to look like, but what is me or nobody? And no sooner he said that, but a gunshot go through the door, and it's an all-out chase. Solid fucking movie, man. I don't know. I don't know. You know, I never expected when he said, you know, that, that which means they're coming for you. He was about to take off and leave, but I'm thinking after this scene, they were just going to get their stuff and go. Mm-hmm. And, ah. you know, not even just paraphrasing, you know, you got to trust me. Yeah. And then, boom, 
gunshot at the door. I didn't expect that scene to come up. I'm like, damn. Yeah. Man. Like, okay. <laughs> yeah. Which is another because this this is um not too long. We're still in Act One. It's not too. I I think we're still in Act One, but we're we're pretty early on in the movie. But a lot of shit has happened back to back, which I think is a sign of a really good movie because we haven't lost anything. We understand Mike Lowry is the playboy, Marcus is the family man, they both are cops, one rich, one is, you know, doing his thing, uh, one has a loving family, this shit happened, like, it, you, everything we need to know, we know, it ain't a lot of lingering around, the time we spent with Mike, with Marcus's family was enough that we got a sense of what was going on, but we didn't need to spend an extra 30 minutes with them, so I do, I do like this, I like the pace of the movie. It, they did that. Um, they speed away in Mar Marcus's car. One of the bad guys gets a, a picture of it or writes down a license plate or something. And Marcus is cussing her ass out. He know he can't take her back to his house. She's like, I want to stay with you. I ain't going no fucking where else. So he takes her to Mike Lowry's apartment, his condo, his, which... That's what I knew. I was like, oh, shit, here we go. Yes, yes. Uh, he tells her to wait outside while he go talk to the, the, the concierge, the bellhop, whatever. This nigga talking about, how's your wife? And how's he pretty much shaking this man down for money? Like, <laughs> bro. I like him. He had, he's like one of my favorite characters throughout the movie, man. Yeah. I wish they had showed his ass more, man. But <laughs> No, I agree. I agree. I, I wish he could have, um, yeah, it would have been nice to see him a little bit more, do some shit, because he was just, like, happy to help, but also was shaking this motherfucker down for money. Um, yeah, so he give homeboy the keys, he go and get Julie, walk up to the apartment, and he says something like, um, yeah, I, I, what do you say, I redecorate so much, I sometimes I don't even know what shit is, or something, Something he said. Yeah. I was like, nigga, this is your house. Supposedly. He's trying to find the light. <laughs> He's trying to turn the light on. Yes. Yes. I'm like, haven't you been here? Well, I guess that, that wouldn't matter. Um, Taya. I liked her in the movie. I, I'm trying to think what I have... Would this movie be any different if there was a different... Like, was was she a standout in this role where, oh, I couldn't see nobody else playing that role? I don't think so. No, yeah, this was really just her breakthrough, so... Yeah. You could have gotten anybody. Like, you could have got one of the, like, biggest actresses of the time, black mm -hmm. actresses. Mm -hmm. Like, don't... It don't matter. Yeah. You could have gotten someone from Living Single. Yeah. Or, it, you know, from the 90s, it, it would have, the, the movie would have been the same. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Because I, I feel like with Mike and with Marcus, those roles, they, I can only see them as Will Smith or Martin. But with Taylor Leone's role, I could see anybody. And I only, I single her out because the movie revolves around the three of them. Martin's wife. She could have been switched out, but but for me, I don't, I wouldn't want to, cause she didn't, she didn't hold the same role in the movie like Taya Leone's character did, and so 
and it's not to say that she was bad in it. I'm just thinking like she wasn't iconic. It wasn't like I see you as this person. Hell, I couldn't even remember her name, Julie. Shit. Um, so they get to talking they shit or whatever, and, and Marcus leaves. He tell him, look, when Mike Lowry come in, don't let him go upstairs. Call me, have him call me. And I was thinking, man, how you go? How is a motherfucker at the front desk going to stop me from getting into my house? Yeah. At all. And if your little ass could bend this man's hand back to make him give you a key, what makes you think my big tall ass, being Will Smith, can't do the exact same just to get to my house? I was like, this is... <laughs> This is a little, this is a little odd, <laughs> but he goes home, and this is where I was, I was annoyed with the wife, but I was, it wasn't, it, it wasn't, it didn't last long, because I felt like you could have easily told her what the fuck was going on, like, he said, you smell like another woman, you not fucking finna get in the bed with me, you ain't got your wedding ring on, again, I'm calling right away like, look, this was going on. I'm about to come home, but there's this white woman at Mike's house. I need, I like, I just, I feel like communication just eh, could have been better. Could have been better. Um, so next day they go to the station. Mike uh, shows up with a bandage on his, or a, a, a um, ice pack on his neck, which, where did you get that from? Uh, they go up to the station, Chief is cussing him out, and then Mike discovers, nigga, you not Mike no more. So, <laughs> what's you, what's you, what you feeling with this scene? This, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I like the scene, and it was, you know, it's a nice setup to realize, for Mike to realize what he has to do now. Yeah. After getting knocked in the damn head, uh, damn near suffering a concussion. Mm -hmm. You find out you got a whole total stranger in your home because your partner did nowhere, couldn't find anywhere else to put her. Mm -hmm. Which is just, it's so good. And then the captain, he was like, he's like, you see, I, I was just making a ball in before you two got here. Yeah. <laughs> this nigga, <laughs> I, I didn't, oh, man, I was thinking, and this is me in my 2020 mind. I said, why did this nigga get her a hotel room? I get you're not wealthy, but your name is Marcus. Like, your actual name. Like, nobody knows. Nobody even knows this nigga Mike Lowry. Like, put her in a hotel. But, again, it wouldn't make for an interesting movie. But, um, you know, I like that, too. Uh, so, they get home. And, finally, Marcus is explaining to his wife what's going on. But he's also lying, which I did. I honestly could not understand. Why would you lie to her about this? I get the whole, oh, you ain't finna be with no woman stand up with her. I get that element, but I'm like, you're a police officer. Like, you, this is not out of the realm of possibilities. Like, what? But I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I'm looking at it wrong or something. Uh, uh still interested in the fact that he had to hold up this lie. Yeah. But at the time, it's like, well, what difference would it mean if he just told his wife? You know, I'm pretty sure his wife would have been cool with it. Like, I mean, I don't know. But again, it makes it makes for a better payoff at the end. But I was like, man, they could just tell her what's going on. <laughs> oh, fuck. Um, 
You know, so he's like, yeah, Mike gonna stay here with y'all and you know do the thing, whatever. We go to the, I don't know, um, generic white bad guy, and he's beating up on these motherfucking scientists who's making dope in the lab, which I think they're trying to cut it with something to make it more potent, but where they're making the drug is too moist, so it's fucking up the chemistry of whatever the fuck. It made sense when they said it, but I don't know what the fuck they was talking about. Bruh, this shit. Oh, that shit always used to kill me, man. Mm. Um, okay, so here's a very, I don't want to say problematic, because I think that's too heavy of a word for what this was, but this is one scene that I was like, ooh, they went there with uh, Julie and uh, Mike when she looked at all them pictures of Will Smith, and she was like, yeah, I thought that was your lover. He was like, nah, that's my partner. <laughs> I was like, ooh, but I would have... because we each other. It ain't like that. Yeah, I was like, oh, man, but I, w- I think that was very subtle because, again, this is the 90s, that joke could have went on for too long. and it, Hell, for those of you listening who listened to the House Party episode, you know this is the 90s. That could have ran on for a while. <laughs> so it was tasteful, but I was like, oh, shit, you know. And little kid, me, well, I ain't going to go there. Uh, <laughs> he's, um, and she's very much like, well, you know, it's okay if, if that was your love or whatever. He's like, God. You ain't hearing me. I, you know, I get down. Them, them lumps in the bed. That's for me fucking us. So I'm like, I just like, nigga, you could still be fucking me, and like, just because you fucking in the bed. I'm like, what? What are you talking about? I, I don't know, bro. Um, okay, so then we get. I like these moments between Marcus and Julie. Um. I think they established his family life well enough that when you see them together, you know it's awkward. You know it's it's quote-unquote wrong. And I like their back and forth because I think, let's say he had told his wife and she would have assumed that he would be fucking this woman or whatever. There's no sexual, any, like even that little comment he made about, oh, me fucking in the bed, like that was more or less to quote-unquote clear his name. It wasn't no... And I could fuck you just as well. Like, I like that they're... I never got the idea that, oh, he wanted to sleep with her and to um, cheat on his wife. So I do... I like that. I like that dynamic. Let me see. Uh, so he gets uh, to the the computer, this old school-ass monitor, and he's going through different pictures of different criminals and trying to see if she recognized anybody. And this is one of them times where I'm like, man, I fucking love movies made of the time. Look at this dated ass technology. Look how, yeah. how long it's taking him to load images and look at like the color of it. It's just, it's you know, old. The fact that you even say that, man, and I, I think that's why people say, oh, you know, if you go back and watch it, doesn't hold up well and shit. But had this movie been made now, mm-hmm. a lot of people would have said, man, you know, all of this technology, man, this this film will be dated in such and such years. So I'm like, pick one. Which one is it? Mm-hmm. I, I'm thinking this right here, to me, in my opinion, is perfect. Yeah, I agree. And all the damn phones and 
all of that shit going on and Bluetooth in the car. And you ain't got none of that going on. Right. And it's and it takes away a lot of the stuff that we could probably look at as crutches now. Um, I don't think technology is what dates a movie. I think it's the movie itself. So, like, let me see. Um, what is something like? Okay, The Wiz, The Wizard of Oz, and The Wiz. I think both are timeless movies, and right. that is clearly old as shit. It's not the technology in the movie that makes it age well. I think it's the subject matter, the way you're delivering the lines. It's it's not always about the physical what scene because just by nature of it being made over 20 years ago is what's making it quote-unquote dated. But it still has aged well because, again, I think you can make this very same movie now. Of course, with technology, you'd have to change some things. But I think you could take the script. And keep like 85, 95% of it. I think a lot of it could still work today. When they beat up Homeboy at the tire shop, technology didn't have shit to do with that. That was them pressuring this man. Guns have changed a lot. So when they do pull the gun out on him, nowadays it would be a different gun or a different weapon. It would be a different gun 20 years from now. But I think this movie could still be made today. Or you could still, you could have a motherfucker that's like, I don't know, 15, never heard of this shit before, sit down and watch this and enjoy this movie. Yeah. So, that's what I think either dates it. It does, I think it has aged well. Uh, but that's just me. That's just me. Uh, <laughs> so, we get uh, Mike Lowry talking to Marcus's kids about whooping somebody ass with a gun or some police story that. He don't need to be telling these kids, but he's Uncle Mike, so he is. And that's cut between Marcus and Julie cleaning up dog shit off a carpet, looking through uh, images and shit. I just, the whole setup, again, I might be looking through nostalgic glasses, but I love all of this shit. All of it. Um, okay, so tell me, with this movie... Do you think you'd be able to recommend this to somebody now? I know I just yeah. made the comment about a 15-year-old or whatever, but do you think that motherfucker woke up from a coma today, they could watch this movie, and it still be funny or still be enjoyable now like it was back in 95? Yes. Good. I, I think it would. I mean, I have a list of movies written where it's like that are really enjoyable mm -hmm. if i were like the same thing with music and then you know movies that if i were to introduce it to someone they would probably enjoy it they probably won't but then at the same time at at the same time they would have like an objective opinion mm -hmm. about it but this movie in particular i think i could show this to damn near anybody and they would enjoy it so, tell me this, why do you think it's, in your opinion, why is this still such a good movie so many years later? Uh, it's just, I, I don't know, just the way that it's set up with the action, and then at the same time you got great-ass dialogue, mm -hmm. and this complete build-up from the end of the first act leading into, you know, towards the end of the film. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
the, of the name slapping. It's kind of like Parent Trap or Freaky Friday. Mm-hmm. Um, then you got the whole buddy cop aspect, you know, 48 hours and, and shit like that. And the weapon aspect to it. And you just got a bunch of guns and explosions and shit going off. Yes. And then the, the stakes are, you know, are raised to the point where you have 72 hours to find these narcotics mm-hmm. or you're going to be refined, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. The witness gets hostage eventually. It's just, a, it's a lot of stakes being raised. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. And I, I always wondered, and I didn't look this up, I should have, but I wondered how much of this movie was just improv. Because you got two actors who are comedic actors and they have had TV shows and have been in movies and have done this for a while. This ain't their first film. So I'm thinking like when Martin was going off talking shit, how much of that was just off the top of his head? Same with Will. When he told the story about, you know, busting in and, and, and whooping ass and shooting motherfuckers, like how much of that was like in the script? I wonder. And <sighs> so good, man. Um that might be improvised mm-hmm. um, was the stakeout towards the end of the movie. Mm, yeah, yeah. And Julie. I think that scene was improvised. I don't know why. Yeah. No, no, I can see that. Um, yeah, I can see that. I'm like, look, you motherfuckers got about 10 minutes of footage. Let's get some shit together. We'll, we'll piece together the best, the best of the best. Um, I like, I like this film. I feel like it follows a formula that I know. I said it could be made now, blah, blah whatever. But I think you could even take this same exact movie and put it in a, I don't know, uh, what is the eighteen hundreds Knights of Camelot type fucking storyline, Game of Thrones type shit, and just change the names but keep all the relationships the same. I, I think it works. You could put in a futuristic space drama and then you could tell the exact same story and just switch out, of course, cocaine for, I don't know, moon dust and switch out Mike Lowry for and uh, a sexy Martian nigga who's teamed up with a short, strong guy from Venus. Like, I feel like this story could be told in a bunch of different genres. And it has been told before, but I, I really, I, I don't know, I just... I think I did. Yeah, I mean, I see what you're trying to say. Mm-hmm. Example, it sounds crazy, but an example where I've, I've seen people try to make the comparison is uh, Home Alone and Die Hard are the same movie. Okay. It's a, it's a film theory. It's, it's like a video. I yeah. It's on YouTube. But it's the comparison of how Home Alone and Die Hard are somewhat similar to each other. Mm-hmm. And it, it tripped me the hell out. I was like, what the fuck? I, was like, I wouldn't have thought of that. But the fact that you say that, you know, a movie like this changed the title, characters, mm-hmm. setting it, you know, medieval times, and, or like a, a space thing. Yeah. It would be a good film. I think it could work. And of course, you would, you know, tweak and make some changes. But hell, instead yeah. of Miami again, we could be in Wakanda. Like, I feel like this could be told a bunch of different ways. But. Yeah, I think that speaks more or less to maybe how well it was written and structured. Because, again, I don't recall any moment of this film not serving a purpose. Like, when they're in Mike Lowry's house, and it's the three of them, and then, I forget the girl's name, who walks in, 
in her underwear lingerie, she oh she very much showed you. Yes, she was there for like maybe a minute, and it's almost like, well, what the fuck is she doing here? But I personally feel like she showed yeah. you that Mike had a type, cause that chick looked just like Max, very slender, model like, beautiful brown skin, same about shorter length hair, extremely attractive, and. I felt like, because for a second, I was like, is that Max? She's dead. But, of course, that wasn't her. But I feel like that little moment still was important because, one, it's emphasizing this Freaky Friday shit of it all. But it's also showing you Mike got a type, and this was one of the baddest ones, and he really wanted her. And also, it was another brown-skinned black woman on film. Short, short role, but she was the like Taya Leone is an attractive white woman. You can't take that away from her. But I feel like her aesthetic wasn't celebrated like a fetish. Like, I feel like out of all the women that popped up in the film, I, I and I could be, I know there was the scene where she was in her towel, but even that didn't feel like, oh, bite my knuckles, this motherfucker bad, I just want to fuck her. It, she didn't feel like a sexual desire for these people in this movie. And I think that worked on both ends for her as an actress in the film because she wasn't sexualized. She had sexy scenes, but she wasn't sexualized. And then on the other end, it's like you've got these two black men in positions of power headlining this movie, and they embrace being with black women. So that's that's what I like. God damn it. Because Taylor Leone is attractive, but when... Whoever homegirl is who walked in, I was like, God damn! Like yeah, I, yeah. I, re- I ain't never forget that scene too. Voicemail, <laughs> her walking in, and then Marcus going to be like, who, who the fuck are you? What are you doing about this? Like, I'm Evette. Who are you? Yeah, oh, okay. he's like Evette. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta get the fuck up, <laughs> bruh. And even that was like, you could have easily chased after her and told her what was going on. Like you're a cop, right. you could have said. Look, this is what's like. <laughs> oh shit. <sighs> um. Yeah. So they go out to the club and uh, Julie's like, "Okay, yeah. When when we going?" And he's like, "No, this is me and my partner. You staying here? We going to stake out and whatever." And I can't recall if, as a kid, I thought she would have showed up, but watching this as an adult, I was like, "Yeah, of course she's gonna show up." Like, that, why would why the fuck would she just? Now she should have sat her ass at home and ate her food, but she didn't. <laughs> I got the, the same thoughts as you, man, because I felt and some part of me thought I'm like, oh, they're gonna twist this in a way where she just shows up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I'm like, oh no, they're gonna go and do their thing, and that'll be that. But to see her, or to see the way the scene goes down, yeah. Like, oh, and even that, like I said, back to it being good because they walk in into the into the club. They see, do they see the? bad guys or do the bad guys uh, no no the bad guys see them because they meet them in the bathroom but just the fact that all this shit is going on and again everything is here for a reason they got these sexy go-go girls dancing okay because i'm getting excited i'm gotta pull myself back you have an overabundance of sexy people showing skin dancing all this shit and Julie, Taylor Leone's character, walks in looking like straight off a of Clueless, which 
is okay for the time because you're in the 90s. But her, in comparison to all of these scantily clad men and women, really stands out. Um, prior to that, Martin, or excuse me, Marcus walks into the bathroom, stands at a stall. Now, for our women um, and, and women listeners, non-binary and people who have never seen a stall in person, the stalls in the bathroom of this movie are the worst. These are the ones I hate the most yes. because they don't go down to the floor and they cup up. So depending on your height, you're very exposed. <laughs> and mm, a guy sure. stands right next to him, which is bad protocol when you're in the bathroom. But that would have been a red flag to me, nigga. You, you, you stand next to me. Sitting there, I'm thinking it was a random cat at first, and he's just like, "So he just stands on I bickering, just having small talk with him, man. Not at that stall. If there was a divider, maybe, but bruh, we are, we are at our most vulnerable together right now. We can't leave me alone. Sounds <laughs> like this ain't in a real Miami club. Ain't no way. I don't know, fam. That shit. Ah, but right after that motherfucker put a bag over Martin's head and get the whooping his ass, um, I watched this movie with my homeboy this time, Ron. He was like, yeah, if it was me, I would have punched a hole in the mouth part to give myself time to breathe. I was like, man, you maybe eventually, but right away, I don't know if you would have thought that because you're going fight or flight trying to survive. You ain't about to immediately. Mm. Out of nowhere. I I don't I don't know I I feel like he would have done better I mean again it's a movie so I understand some stuff I'm getting worked up about it's a film it has to have drama uh, but there's a fish tank that is separating the men's bathroom from the dance floor or whatever so you can see through it but you it's a big ass fish tank the guy slams Martin into it all the water comes rushing out he meets up with Mike Lowry. He's like, nigga, I don't want to hear the shit you talking about, these jokes and shit. Taya Leone, as Cher from Clueless, walks into the club, reaches into her purse, looks up at the top, I don't know what you call it, like the top window, pulls out her gun. The, um, what do you call them? The box, the, damn, I don't know, I forgot. Yeah, the box, shit. Um, yeah. Yeah, pretty much a VIP type section. And Marcus tackles her, pulls her out the way. I like that because this movie is so old, there isn't CGI. Um, I only bring that up because I just finished watching, at the time of this recording, October Faction, which is a, um, a show on Netflix based off of a comic book. And it's in its first series, just wrapped up. And I like that show, but something that bothered me was the CGI. The blood in it that was CGI bothered me, and there was one character. Huh? Did you see it? Have you seen it? It got CGI blood in it, man. It's, it's, now, that's not a problem because it's not a lot, but there's one character who she does a thing, and she does it often. Well, not often. She does it enough for you to know what's happening, and the way... Her hair moves bothers me. I get what they're going after, but I don't like that. 
And um, because I haven't read the book at the time of this recording, I'm assuming the thing that happens with her in the show probably happens in the book and they wanted it to look a certain way, but that CGI pulled me out. Movies like this before the big CGI, everything, you have to do a lot to make it work. Not a lot. You have to do different things to make it work. And I, that's another thing that I enjoy. Nothing pulled me out of this film. Not the violence, not the bloodshed, not the water, not the stunts. Because it's not like you can tell that nigga is on a green screen jumping from one dresser to another. So this ain't no real building. Like it, everything is raw so to speak so there's that uh, um so they get out all three of them the, the three musketeers they pull this motherfucker out of a van which is what is this van doing and they drive off and it has is it ether in the back yeah. ethanol ether, yeah something something flammable i was like why did they take a truck like why didn't you steal a car that's a big <laughs> ass truck Bruh, um, yeah, so we get a O.J. Simpson-style chase, and I've, I've been to Miami once, and that was, I went there to go on a cruise, so I didn't explore the city. When I did, I was dealing with libations, so the memory is a bit hazy, but I don't... This chase scene was good. I'm not familiar with Miami landscape, so it didn't take me out of it. But I was like, oh, I wonder. Because they ran up on this, like, dead-end bridge space relatively quickly. Was this the same bridge from Part 2 with Gabrielle Union when they had that shootout? Mm-hmm. Mm. The, the, the chase scene? Yeah. Yes. Mm. Mm. Okay. Then I do like this. Fucking cars off of it. I was like, these niggas is crazy. This, this. I remember that was a big. That was a thing too, man. They made a big deal out of that. What they were trying to do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, I can pull this off. This ain't even gonna make the movie. And sure enough, this shit was good. And them arguing afterwards, like, I'm gonna tell you this. I felt like, and it's probably just the nature of the time we live in and all of this fucking media we have. But I felt like this could have easily been a series. Not maybe an ongoing 7, 8, 9, 10 seasons. But this movie, you could have broken it down to like maybe 6 or 8 episodes. I, I just, I wanted more when it was done. Like I, I, I got everything I got and I was happy with it. But I was like, man, they could have done a lot with this. Like we could have got more Max. We could have got more of fucking Julie's character. We could have got more of the family. You know they got, I mean, you didn't hear about it? Nope. What? Uh, a TV series. For Bad Boys? Yes. Now, is it Will and Martin or is it some, some other folks? Starring Gabrielle Union and Jessica Alba. Really? Oh, LA's Finest. Oh, okay. Now, okay. Here and there. Um,. They said it came out like back in May of last year, but I didn't, I didn't see it, and I, I was wanting to watch it. I, I, I'm pretty sure I can pull it up and yeah. watch it and watch it somehow. But, but I was wondering. I'm like, shit. I mean, is it renewed or 
I haven't really looked it up at all, but I do remember seeing the advertisement for it. So is it is Gabrielle Union playing the same character? Same character as Mark. Wow. Okay. I wonder. Then I'm gonna have to look. That, I'm gonna have to check into that LA's finest because I've not. I've never heard of that. I haven't heard of Jessica Alba in anything since Fantastic Four. I mean, I'm sure I, I probably have, but I've really been checking for her. So let me let me make a note of that. Listen, I do remember in the um, the advertisement, like the the cover art show looks like very bad boy style. Okay. The lighting and everything is just like the style is made by the same creator of the film. Oh well, shit! I'm 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 more excited then now that you say that because a lot of times. Now that I say that, I need to write that down so I can watch it uh, Mm. tomorrow. Okay, shit! Might have to do a little something on that too then, because God, Jessica Alba. I wonder if she's you know ethnic again or if she's a white woman in that in that show because you know. (laughs) She, uh, she, uh, yeah, she, she's one of those folks. Um, but yeah, she, uh, she, uh, they walk, I guess, to like a bodega, no, you don't call them bodegas in Miami, to a liquor store, (laughs) bro, and I like this scene, fam, because, again, some stuff I think either I blacked out or just wasn't as memorable as others, but this motherfucker... (laughs) This scene was so memorable for me till this day. Bro. Damn. This shit freeze, mother bitches. This nigga pulls out a gun. Because he see these two dudes with guns. And they talking about drugs and homegirl. And I just. <laughs> freeze, mother bitches. Can I blow you? And even that. <laughs> you blow what? Nigga, you blow who? Nah, fam. Uh, yeah, he, he was funny. And even that, um, I feel like much needed comedy after a lot of heavy shit. So even that had a place. You couldn't just pull that scene out of the movie and it not be the same. Um, we go back to Marcus's place, Mike's place, excuse me. And they're still holding up this charade. And this motherfucking Taya, uh, Julie's talking about how sexy he is. You know, he a family man, and he this and he that. And I'm like, damn. Not that he, not that Marcus wanted to sleep with her, but shit, can this nigga get a break? Like, he he could be sexy too, motherfucker. You know, mother bitches. And they're thinking, man, um, in that scene, I just thought it was, I knew, not knowing any better back then, mm-hmm. and watching. Now it's just like holy shit. I was like, is she is she catching on or what? Like, mm-hmm. don't want to say nothing. Yeah. I remember in that because you know that little line before they got to the uh, gas station. She was like, well, I thought he was the the smooth. Yeah, guy. yeah, yeah. I, I'm thinking that when she was sort of kind of catching on, but she didn't want to. Yeah. Say anything. Yeah, I could see that. Because, yeah, he did. He pulled her to the side. Because Marcus, stupid ass, they cussed her out. And he was like, hey, look, he don't mean that. And such and such. And giving that whole Bill Bellamy how to be a player ass fucking dialogue. And, uh, yeah. So, I think that probably was when she started fucking catching on. Which. Especially when it's <laughs> up to Marcus's wife showing up. Oh, yes, yes, yes. And Mark Burnett. 
God damn. See how like sudden it was though. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like she knew. Like you you motherfuckers ain't who you say you is. Which Yeah. I don't know, man. I I get her 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 uh, frustration with that, but I was like, man, if you figured it out and you see they still trying to keep you safe, it, they're clearly doing this for you. They're not doing this for themselves. Like, who would just be like, oh, let's switch places and you be me and I'll be you. Like, th- it doesn't serve any purpose. It, oh. um, I like the next, well, the scene that's cut with this, which is Mike at Marcus's house talking to his wife and them looking over that um, photo album and seeing that picture <laughs> Martin with that afro. Every time I see movies like this, I wonder... That has to be a real picture that you had, mm-hmm. not a picture that you took for this movie. Like I think that's a picture you had of you with an afro. Yeah, like that can't be no. <laughs> but uh, that he calls his wife right as Will is taking a picture from her, and she's like, "No, put it in." <laughs> no, put it in. Don't put it back in. You can't believe you took it out. Yes, that Marcus, Marcus, yeah, Marcus is a good Martin is comedy. That nigga, physical comedy, especially, and the scene that follows speaks to this. What am I trying to say? This. I don't want to base it just on men because women deal with this too, but like uh, this fear that something that's yours, quote unquote, you can't own another person, but your 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 wife is this sacred thing and that you think this man sleep with her and it's like you're so blinded by your rage, you're not thinking, this is my homeboy and my wife, like why would my wife sleep with him? Like what, like what, what is, it? I don't know, he, paranoid. yeah, as the fuck. Um, so they do all that, and this thing get to fighting, and I think the movie wanted to kind of establish that, not necessarily that Mike was a better husband, but that he was just able to, he had a, a perfect life, everything came easy to him, so even with this man's family, you seem to fit better, but she didn't marry you, so she don't want you like that, and he don't want her like that, but on the outside looking at it as the audience, they just, Mike just did everything better than Marcus did. And that, yeah. <laughs> oh, poor Marcus, man. This nigga climbs on the roof, falls to the ground. The earlier scene. Yeah. Uh, the phone call at the station. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, thought, I think it was just, to me, it just played out so well because you got Marcus wearing some of Mike's clothes. Mm-hmm. So it just it played out so well. Yeah, and if and again that goes back again to the time of the movie. You heard a dial tone, so we knew that phone and hung up. But you don't hear no dial tone now. What what kid, let's say ten years old, knows what a dial tone is? Why would they know that? Man, that was so good. Um, yeah, so they get to the fighting out in the front yard. And I also like, which this is another thing that makes it a little complicated. You know that they're partners, even if you don't think they're friends. At this moment, you have to know that they're cool. Like, 
the fact that Marcus's wife comes outside. She's like, you know, what the fuck going on, whatever. And instead of Mike letting this man embarrass himself by showing his wife that he's here, he shoves this man's face into the kiddie pool. And that's an aggressive, violent act. But at the same time, you protecting you from letting your wife know what the fuck you got going on. I just... This is good. This is good, goddammit. Um, so there's that. They, Tay Leone or Julie is handcuffed to the to the front seat to the steering wheel. So she can't do shit. I think we're down to, what, two days left or one day left? Um, the two guys who are cops who are assisting Mike and Marcus catch this, like, wrestler-looking nigga Got him in the police station, interrogating him, talking about who the fuck doing what, where, when, and why. He's talking about this is my first gig. Pretty much, they're doing the detective work. They're they're doing the work. All the while, we got sexy mullet lady trying to uh, lay down the law, talking about you being reassigned, shutting your shit down, fucking this all done. And eighties nigga, seventy two hours. Yeah. I, this is where I think we get into the third act because everything is coming down on you. You got the narcotic shit, which your time is running down. Then you got the internal affairs stuff, which has cut you off at the knees. There is no, no grace period or the grace period is, uh, pretty much everything is done. So now you got to do shit on your own off the books and then we go back to the nigga at the tire factory who we talked to before, or the tire shop. And you can see the difference from when they first met that dude. And they're like, yeah, you don't know nothing? He's like, no, I don't know nothing. Very relaxed. Very dressed up. They see him now and his gun to your head. Do-rag on. Chain. Very casual. Like, we have no time to fucking play with you. I, I like that. I like it. I like it, nigga. They, I like it. Yeah, that shit get on your clothes and it stink. Bro. I, <laughs> this, this scene, the gun to this man, I don't know, man. I, I was scared for him, to be honest with you. No, for real. Because when Martin, when he put that gun on Marcus and walked off, yeah, I was like, ah. Push your ass too, really. So sad. That's so <laughs> you on your own, nigga. And then he back yelling this. I just this is just a funny fucking movie. Like if you didn't think Martin and Will Smith were funny before, like you, I don't think you can watch this movie and be like, oh no, them niggas ain't funny. Martin especially. This is funny. God yeah. damn it. Uh, <laughs> this is where I think some of the improv came in because the shit he yelling back at him. Uh, I ain't going down for killing JoJo the Tire Man. I don't want no brain fragments on me. Like, it, I just... Bruh. Fuck him. This is... This is... He said, I know. It's two men. No. No, it's one man. And it's... No, it's... <laughs> I'm like, oh, shit. Oh, my God. He said, tell him where, JoJo. Tell him where. <laughs> it's a good... He walked up like, yeah, I'll give y'all a set of white walls for your trouble or some shit. I'm like, nigga, you just giving away tires and shit. Like, yeah, this is um, this is a top-notch movie. Uh, <clears throat> then we get to the, the stakeout. 
which to your credit, I think it is a improv scene. They may have had, you know, say this, say that, but everything else is on you. I, I think so. I think so. Um, they're doing their stakeout. They finally, the next day, catch homeboy leaving. And I don't know, is this a pier or a, or a shipping station? Uh, they're, they're at a shop. It looked like somewhere between a pier and a shipyard. Yeah. I would, I would, I'm thinking up here. Yeah, I would think so, too. It's like, you would think more boats and shit are around. Yeah. And then they're, you know, moving drugs and, you know, narcotics. I'm like, well, it could be a shipyard. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That goes on at shipyards. Yeah. Um, okay, so, so the evil dude, bad guy, looks back at them in his binoculars from on his boat, and he sees them. Uh, yeah. and he's like, man, just have him follow, you know, don't, don't fuck up nothing, just have him follow. Now, the very next scene is, <laughs> which again, everything in this movie matters. They've cut out everything that don't matter. They have, uh, the boys, Marcus's boys watching TV, a news report come on, and you got Marcus, Mike, and Julie on the bridge where the explosion was being recorded by a television helicopter. Which mom finds out this motherfucker is not in Cleveland. He has lied to me. That's my favorite scene, man. I thought you said dad was in Cleveland. He can't be in Cleveland. You know, he wishes he was in Cleveland. Bruh. Then again, this movie, nothing is... I think the pace is perfect. Everything... Because there wasn't one point of watching this movie where I felt like, damn, I wish this was over. Or shit, we still on this scene. Or... Like, if anything, I wanted more. And I think they did a good job at making me want more. Um, we go back to Mike's house where Taya, or Taya, uh, Julie goes in the safe and gets out a key. She's like, you motherfuckers ain't going to handcuff me again because this is what it's been twice, two or three times where Marcus has handcuffed her in the car. And she... <laughs> I, I'm with her like, motherfucker, but, but then again, you keep showing up, so what else are we supposed to do, <laughs> so, uh, they're back at the house, and this is where they lounging, there's a knock at the door, why she opens the door, I do not know, Julie opens the door, and there is wife. And she's like, where's my husband? I think she was like, which one? Or the tall or the short one or something. That's so what she said, the short one. And she was like, and you see the look on her face. She's like, I thought so. That's yeah. That's the right there. And I'm like, I think at up to a point she knew. Yeah. She didn't say shit. Well, the very point that she even said which one is like, I know that that ain't really your wife. I know that you ain't really Mike. Uh, and she leaves. And at first I was mad. And I was like, man, I, I get her logic. Like, if your wife can find us, anybody else can find us. How did she find us? Like, why is she here? She don't know. Julie don't know that she saw the TV report. But that being said, she's here. Uh, <laughs> Mike comes out the back room. And he goes, <laughs> like a fucking kid. And these idiots are trying to explain what's going on. And that's another thing I like. I don't. I don't think at one point in this movie did we get two women upset at each other 
or fighting over a man. So, like, you could have easily had Marcus's wife be like, oh, who this white bitch? Who y'all fucking... Like, she, you could have easily just had that be her response. Versus, you motherfuckers is lying. I'm sick of it. Like, it, it wasn't... It, I never felt like... There was, house. Yeah, I oh, oh, shit. Bro. <laughs> this was good. Welcome to your house. Yes, this this was perfect. I I liked it, and I and again I could be wrong. There could be some stuff that somebody else sees. If so, please feel free to tweet us, uh, CBN Movie Club. Let me know. But I feel like there wasn't any overly sexual. Like you had the scenes, of course, of the um, uh, Yvette in her lingerie. You had Julie in a towel, but that was a, a very tasteful scene. It wasn't. Titties all out, overly gyrating and shit. Like I think everything fit. And then, plus this is Miami. Um, every city has a stereotype, and for me, I see Miami as a sexy city with a lot of Latin and black influences, a bunch of bright lights, strippers, go-go bars, drinks, uh, palm trees. Like to me, Miami is just sexy. So. That's how, like, it kicked up a notch for Bad Boys 2. Okay. Especially, like, in the beginning. Like, not, when they really got into, before they got into the first act. Like, yeah. Beginning the first five minutes. Yeah. And then the first one is so tame. You, you don't really see much, but the second one really kicks in with that whole Miami lifestyle. Yeah. And that's, it, it just, I don't, there's nothing I think is offensive. Nothing sexually offensive now if you're against violence or whatever that's very different but i i think everything was handled well um and it was just as much skin being shown from men and women well no no let me not say that uh, what i'm trying to say is even if you have you're objecting to like yvette being half naked the last third of the movie will smith's shirt is just completely open so it's not like you know it's something for everybody in this motherfucker. So I just, I like that. Um, I used to get that shit too. Mm-hmm. Um, that scene. All of this, all of this ending was damn good. From that little mix-up to Will and um, Taya going down the elevator, and then seeing the big boss and his henchmen opening fire on these motherfuckers just guns blazing and that's when like the 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 climax is hitting and we 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 finishing out the movie i really i really like this movie man oh yeah it just came in slow mo everything just kicks in a slow motion at first god and then the wife and that's 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 another now, I know I had to think about, oh, she married a cop, she, you know, how could she, whatever. But I think if, now that I think about it, I think if he had have explained things and she still was unreasonably upset, it would have taken away from her character. I think the fact that he could have just told the truth but chose to lie made her concerns more valid than before. And so when you get this end scene where she did almost get shot, it makes it real like, okay, yeah, I'm mad at him, but this trumps my anger. 
I, I, I think this ending scene, coupled with him lying to her so much, made her a sympathetic character. Whereas if you had had her be like, if he had told her the truth, she'd be like, well, I don't give a fuck if that's your job or not. Fuck that girl. And if she had of still been mad and talking about quality time and stuff, it would have made her look bad. So now that I'm kind of watching it and replaying it, I think it does make sense that I'm happy. I'm happy with her character. I can't even really have an issue. I'm happy. I'm happy with it. Yeah, big ass chasing man. I used to get when I first began. I got like I felt some type of way, man. Yeah, because man, this nigga Will Smith showing off and shit. (laughs) Yeah, easy man. But then after a while, I'm like, yo, man, this is one of the dopest scenes in the movie, man. No, for real. And it, bruh, the footwork, the the camp, even he he on a rooftop chasing some shit, and it's just some. Women in bikinis, and then it's a motherfucking uh, Mexican dude in a tank top, and then you go through a, a beauty salon, and these old white ladies getting their hair curled. Like, it's, it was one of them. Oh, yeah, he's, <laughs> yeah, you ladies look great. It, it's, it's, a, it's a shot that we get in New York all the time, hopping through alleyways and stuff, but you're getting it in Miami, and I, it yeah. just, it just looks good, man. Looks good. Looks good. These niggas, um, the bad guys jump into a taxi, take off. I wonder why Martin didn't have his shirt off. Like, this nigga had a vest on for, like, a whole lot of the film. But we get to this instant, <laughs> and this nigga straight-up Lifetime movie outfit running, and Will Smith got his little blouse on and blowing in the wind. And <laughs> That's what I was wondered that too. I was like, why did he never take a shirt off? Like, maybe he wasn't, couldn't, I don't know. Maybe he had bird chest, little boy chest, and not, you know, something, but ah, it it happened. Um, I really like the scene where Will, the part of the scene where he saves him from getting hit by that taxi, again, that felt like Hancock to me. I just, I don't, I don't know if he gave me a little bit of Hancock with that one. And, um, huh? That was the potential audition for Hancock. Probably, probably early on. Uh, we get a, a phone call from these niggas talking about, um, yeah, I'm gonna shoot homegirl or whatever. So pretty much the movie is 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 shooting up to have that that climax and slow descend down. Um, mullet lady comes in talking about fuck it is over. Your little grace period is done. You all are reassigned. Fuck you very much. Goodbye. This nigga is like, look, we uh, reassigned, but you gotta close this case. You gotta, you gotta get this shit. You gotta wrap this shit up. And again, this is one of the moments where I'm like, man, I wish this had been a series, cause it's rushed because it's a movie. But I think it's this pace just fine. But man, we could. I loved how they just. Even though they were reassigned, they were like, fuck that. We still doing this shit because we're so close. Yeah, like they were, you literally at the end, you just got to find this motherfucker. Like the time, the the countdown ain't done yet. Um, Yeah, so they, they got this uh, motherfucker hacking shit and they find out one of the uh, evildoers, bad guys, is the boyfriend to motherfucking secretary who they work with, which... 
even then I felt like they did that good. They didn't. They had her in the movie just enough for you to remember her, but not so much where you're like, what the fuck's she doing in this movie? You gotta keep your eye out for her. So I like that too. I like that. Um, yeah, she talks about him, her being threatened. She only let him know about the police shit because uh, he was gonna release her news and shit to our family and our kids' school and all this other shit. It's like, god damn, like. He found the right one. Uh, yeah, I don't. That mm. scene, I never. That was just one scene I would look over, man. I was like, why the hell is she, you know, in tears? Like, why is she crying? And you know, as yeah. she got older. Damn. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. It's essentially what. Yeah, that revenge porn. So, yeah. Nowadays, she could sue that motherfucker, but the damage would be done already, even if you were able to do something about it. Um, yeah, so we get we get the team up between Marcus and Mike and them uh, two fucking knuckleheads who was helping him out before, where they're like, look, the shit we doing could get your ass killed, but we got to get some shit done. And I like this whole ending, because what they dressed up as, like, uh, trash people, trash men, yeah. sanitation, these... Nigga, this is a good ass movie. Like so you got he was like, my shit always works sometimes. <laughs> uh, we got the bad dudes meeting with this uh, Cuban kingpin or something like that. They got homegirl in the front seat, handcuffed to the steering wheel again, um, and then you get these motherfuckers. In their fucking garbage truck, ramming through the uh, air, airplane hangar where the deal is going down, which is smart. I can't. Now I'm not saying it's never been done, but I can't recall a time where someone has used the garbage truck. Maybe a fire truck, but it seems like a very smart move. You put a dumpster on front of the garbage truck and ram that bitch into a building. That seems pretty safe to me. Versus a car, so. Mm. Uh, and then now it's a shootout. This is action. This is this is what you what you bought your ticket for. Uh, Michael Bay shit. Yeah, and it's is is it works for me. I don't know. I don't. I don't know if he's done anything to to make him problematic or to make him you know a um a hated director or whatever. But huh? Uh, I, I would say uh, Transformers. Man, um, but that's... they would try to. They're like, "Oh, he's focusing way too much on Megan Fox's ass," and I'm like, "What? What you talking about, Megan Fox's ass?" Well, let me not. Let me not <laughs> joke. Um, but you know these subtle shots of just like, especially in Bad Boys too, mm-hmm. and he did it in Bad Boys for Life, where the camera would be coasting through the club, and it would show under the woman's like skirt or whatever. Oh. Mm-hmm. It first, you first see it for the first time in Bad Boys 2. He does it again in Bad Boys for Life, but he has a knack for doing shit like that. Oh. Films. And that's sort of kind of what people say is problematic for Michael Bay. Okay. Okay. Well, I'll say for 1995, us being in a whole different space. I... Well, he kind of did it here. No, but he did it at the club with those women who, like, 
that was their job to be these sexy dancers. It wasn't like uh, Marcus's wife was like breastfeeding and is like zooming in on her cleavage. It was so I don't I don't I don't think he did bad in this movie. Mm. The one that Mike was staring at at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, when, you know. But even I feel like that served a purpose, though. Like the chicken and white dress. Yeah. Yeah, like that was for a re- that was literally to distract them, so that they could get robbed. So I I don't know I don't know. The listeners, let us know. CBN Movie Club. What, what y'all thinking? Um, my the most intense part of this scene for me was the. Mike, get the fuck in the car. <laughs> that, and I felt that because clearly a lot of this shit I blocked out. But when Taya reached for him and pulled it, I'm like, man, how you pull this big ass nigga? You first of all, ma'am, you're 110 pounds. You ain't. But that aside, I was like, God damn, look at this. Look at this shit. Explosion, car race, gunshots. Half naked motherfuckers, uh, Fast and the Furious before Fast and the Furious, like this last scene. That portion on the left. Bru- oh, there you go. Oh uh, God. What's your Lord. thoughts, man, on this last? They would drop that shit in the full full gear too. I'm thinking that nine million or whatever it was, some of it had to go to this because. Nice fucking that car up. Yeah, that shit hurt watching that shit get destroyed. Um, the other car, though. Yeah. Porsche. I gotta imagine that that was just like not a real. Like, it. Like. Maybe it was. Shit. I. I'm, I'm looking at the, the, the chase scene now, and it's like. It, <sighs> This is, again, no CGI. This is all camera work, stunt drivers, and whatever. Like, there's no CGI. So, all this shit is real. I That's how you motherfucking drive. So, uh, they speed through. The three musketeers get out safely. Go after homeboy in his all black. Uh, pulls the gun on him. Well, shoot him in the leg. Like, this whole ending... And them, all three of them walking towards... I wish Taylor Leone had been a bit less awkward because the way she walked looked kind of weird. But... Yeah. I, I have no issues with this ending. Like, the gun in that man's face. Uh, him pulling the gun on them and then having to actually kill him. You know what? I will say, yeah. I stand on my argument. This does this this franchise is seamless. Mm-hmm. Based on that scene too with Mike Lowry's character, mm-hmm. I think it was a build up. Okay. Only because whenever he was like, "Bro, he's like, just let it go. It's a joke." Yeah. And he sees the glare mm. of the gun shining on Marcus's face. Yeah. Only to get trigger happy and kill the guy. Yeah. And not to spoil anything, but in Bad Boys for Life, uh, it gets to a point where the captain tells them, you now have to use rubber bullets. Mm. And 
it fucks with Mike Lowry. He he gets upset about it. Like he was like, "Damn, I can't." Basically, to the point of saying, he's "Like, damn, I can't kill anybody." Yeah. On site, and that becomes a thing. And it's like, bro, you were fucked up. You have PTSD. You are. <laughs> yeah. A trigger happy. Need to get help for real. That that's um that's something that gets played out in Bad Boys for Life. Okay. Well, that's yeah. I'm looking forward to that then. Cause I man, this shit. This shit, this shit is good. With with that being said, who do you think had the greatest or the best story arc in this film? Mm. Best story arc. Yeah. Burnett. Like the whole, like they've changed and they've become a different person. They had the best, the best kind of journey from one stage to another to being a different Marcus, person. Is that Marcus? Yeah, just because of, um, you know, he's so family-oriented. Yeah. Having trouble communicating with his wife. His wife ain't trying to hear it. He's doing his best, but then, you know, he has he has to go through that struggle of trying to pretend to be his partner mm-hmm. for the time. And then he can't spend time with his family for real, for real. Mm-hmm. It, it just plays with him the entire time uh, throughout the film. Until his, you know, his wife confronts him and everything. I, I just feel like he has the best character arc. Okay, um, I agree. But just to give another side, I'm gonna say Mike. Um, because you go from this play, but which I think they didn't lean heavily into it. Because w- after watching the whole film, I got the sense that he was just a rich dude, trust fund baby who loved women and loved his job. I think if they had to lean more into not necessarily womanizing, but very much, I love women. I got so many of them. I'm carefree. I can do whatever. And then had Max's death happen a little later, I was. But but even still, with the movie we got, I do feel like he became a bit more serious, a bit more responsible, a bit more focused than he was at the start of the film but i do agree with you i think marcus had the biggest kind of art yeah, i think mike's story was a over i like marcus's uh character art but i feel like the better overall is mike lowry yeah especially when you get the bad boys for life and then they go deep into you're like holy shit like he's dealing with all of that mm-hmm. and being the trust fund kid and having everything and things going his way, and then for the first time, shit is not going his way. Yeah. Hmm, okay. So, how about this? What, well, we already talked about that. If this movie was released released today, do you think it would do well? Like, the first, like if, if there had never been any bad boys, and all of a sudden, 2020, March 1st, 2020, bad boys is coming out. Do you think this... They they could be, let's say they're casted, or it could be the new hot. Let's just say it was them. And oh yeah, flat out, this would um, this would do well. It would be a bigger budget, mm-hmm. and we would also have some pushback with a lot of people saying, uh, "Where are the women? We need more women," and you know that that whole thing that's going on now with film and. People, 
going about you know, making movies their own way. I think we would have had a lot of issues with that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Kind of like how the Joker thing went. Okay, oh, okay, I see. You know, just more, less, less, less escalated than what the Joker was. Yeah, okay, okay. Shit, okay, well tell me this. With us ranting and raving about how great this is, tell me, what is something about this film that you did not like or that you liked the absolute least? Uh, some of the, some of the villains, man. Uh-huh. Uh, well, the, the big villain, uh, Fouché, I like him. I've always liked him. Yeah. But we didn't really get to see... Well, we did get to see him, but it wasn't like... He reminded me of this cheesy, kind of corny 80s villain. Yeah. In a sense, like, from, like, Commando and, and shit like that. But, you know, he was part of a drug ring. Yeah. I could see that. Fouché was I could see that. They were just around a bicker and, and banter along, which I'm like, eh, they're all right. Yeah. But I do like the scene where early on in the movie where Marcus and Julie get away. Mm-hmm. And uh, two of them are going back and forth. They're like, hey, you fat fuck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Place. He's like, yeah, I got the fucking plates. He's like, you cock-eyed fuck. Yeah, oh, no, no, yeah. that. Now, that was funny. I <clears throat> I think they had more personality. And to your point, I think the henchmen were not good because they all seemed to bleed into one another. Even the guy who they killed first, who hired uh, Max, he was forgettable. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, so I'm, I'm with you. I think that probably was the least... Early, that earlier scene, whenever Marcus and Julie got away, that was like, damn, if we had more of that from them, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. that would have played out well. Yeah, I think that would have been a good kind of comic relief on the other side, on the bad guy side. So, yeah. Uh, let's see. If Okay, how about this? If you could replace one of the characters from this film with yourself, who would it be? If I could replace. Mm-hmm. It's you, you switching uh, it out. Same movie or whatever. Maybe you could do things differently, but you switch out uh, with one person. Uh, uh, Chet, the doorman. Because <laughs> I like him so much. Okay. Okay. I, I, okay. I couldn't, I couldn't take the place of just Will Smith and Martin, uh, yeah, Martin Lawrence. Mm-hmm. So good, man. If I... And, you know, the doorman was great, too, but it's like, if I really wanted to, it's like, you know, I'll take the doorman. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. So, I don't know, for me, I would want to say, I want to say Marcus, but I don't even think I could, I I know I wouldn't be able to do it justice. I know I wouldn't. Uh, I, I honestly don't know who I want to switch places with in this fucking film. Um, I could sit there and just, I, I could, like, just like the doorman, I could sit there and just bullshit with him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just talk shit. Mm-hmm. Um, shit. Yeah, that's a good one. That's probably the the best person, all things considered. You get to spend time with every main character, but you are removed enough to survive a, a shootout. So, yeah, that's mm-hmm. probably the best one. Um, okay, so how about this? What, in your eyes, would have improved this movie? Like, what, how would you have changed, if anything at all? 
<clears throat> Anything to improve? Oh man. Uh, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, I think a big, a big car chase scene, but at the same time, that chase scene on foot. Uh, served justice to the movie. Okay, of uh, the ending one where he was running through the salon and stuff. Yeah, but kind of like you know how Bad Boys Two was with the car chase scene. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Had we, I wish we would have had that in the first one, but at the same time, it's like you know what, the foots, uh, you know, those two on foot going after those bad guys. Mm-hmm. It's good enough. Yeah, I can take that. But yeah, if there's anything to, to change or add in or something, it would be a car chasing. Okay. Well, mine, we already discussed it. Switch Taylor Leone with Max. Alex, I think her name is Alexander something. Um, the actress. Switch them around. Because I, I, to me, it just would have made more sense for Taylor Leone to be the sex worker and Max to be her homegirl who, like, look, I don't want to do this. I'm, I'm in college, law school, whatever. And then you get swept up because I, I also, well, I, I still don't want to pit the women against each other. I think the role every woman had in relation to each other was good. But I think, I hmm? go ahead. Oh, no, I was saying, you know, Max, um, not saying that I would want her to get killed off later on in the movie, but had that happened later, mm-hmm. would have more. Okay. Or with the fact, I mean, having Max throughout the film, you could have given Mike Lowry something like, you know, Marcus has a family, and then, mm-hmm. yeah, Mike, yeah, is this playboy hot shot? I mean, he still could have gave him a girl, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I loved. Her. I wanted to see more of her. I just think, oh, I think she fits so well. But yeah, that would have been my switch. Um, thinking this. That's it. Uh, I want to ask us the top three characters, but shit, we got the three main characters. Shit. Um, yeah, man, that's that's pretty much it. Give me some some uh, your final rating. So, like with the movies I've been doing, first episode was House Party, second one was School Days, third was Brother to Brother, the fourth episode was um, Loving Basketball. With these uh, films. I'm trying to kind of gauge where they fall. So in the black pantheon of, of must-see black films, where would you rank this? Like, would this be top five, top three, maybe top 20? Where does Bad Boys 1 fall in the must-see black movies? Top 20. Top 20? Okay. You thinking lower 20s, mid-20s? Mid-20s. Okay. Okay. I could see that. And I agree. I do. I do agree. I will say top twenty as well, considering the like. I don't. Again, this is a buddy cop film. This is a comedy film, action film. Two big names headlining. I and I'm probably mistaken, but I can't recall since this movie anything like it. Like other buddy cop, you you got um. What's the fucking Eddie Murphy movie? Uh, Beverly Hills Cop. But since that, I don't think that space has been filled. 48 hours. Like, 48 hours and Lethal Weapon were just so... You know, like, just the regular... Yeah. 
buddy cop movies. Bad Boys comes along, you know, it's the 90s now, Bad Boys, and then it just kicks it up a notch. Yeah. Yeah. Big explore. You got Michael Bay on board, and let's take it a step further. Let's get two of the biggest actors Mm -hmm. right now on TV shows and just put them in a movie together. And see, this was, I think, perfect casting, because I love me some Denzel, but I don't know that Denzel would have been able to do this and not back then. Uh, who else would have been a big name? Uh, Blade, uh, Wesley Snipes. He probably could have done it, but I don't... I, I don't... Like, to be honest, I didn't realize Wesley Snipes was as funny oh, as he is. that motherfucker, yes. <laughs> like, I mean, you know, okay, to Wong Fu, that's one. Yeah. But I'm, I'm more so familiar, like, I'm... If any film out of out of the serious realm of Wesley Snipes, the one that I'm most familiar with is To Wong Fu. Okay. Okay. Um, other movies, you know, I'm familiar with Murder at 1600. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, the Art of War. Mm-hmm. And you know, later, like now, nowadays, he's putting a more comedic element in films. Like he was in Expendables three. He was hilarious in Expendables. Yeah. Even in what's that uh, movie? Where he, and Dolomite, he was funny. I thought he yeah, was. Dolomite, uh, mm. Mm. Like, this is funny. I, I never knew Eddie, uh, not Eddie Murphy, Lord, mm. uh, West Snipes to be as funny as he is. But you got to also think, um, in a time that they were making movies, 70s, 80s, 90s ish, prior to internet and technology being how it is, even now, black men have, are, you have a certain aesthetic and attitude and a lot of things thrusted upon you as a black man so it it may have been more smart and strategic for him to be this particular kind of actor because it's easier to go at a role where you only going against Denzel versus Denzel and Will Smith you know what I'm saying like you don't have to be the funny guy if you could be the the dark skinned token black you know what I'm saying like you yeah, I think there's probably a whole lot of people that are funny and silly as shit, but because we didn't have all day access to people like we do now via Twitter and shit, maybe that couldn't come out as much if it wasn't in a project. Yeah, I think yeah, I'm good with that. <laughs> See, I could I couldn't think of anybody else besides Will Smith or Martin Lawrence. Yeah, no, I can't I can't either. Even now. And, you know, nothing against these internet comedians, but I can't even think of a comedian who I think would do well in this time. Like, if we remade this, like we're doing all these reboots, I can't think off the top of my head of an actor, male comedians anyways, if we're sticking to source material, um, who could fill those roles. Um... I think it would be funny <laughs> to have Kev on stage, that Christian uh, comedian dude, but I can't see that being funny in action. Like, I, you ain't... Hey, I could see Kev on stage in a movie like this, but kind of like a side character. You mm-hmm. Know, the the doorman. Great. Mm-hmm. Uh, another one would probably be Ryan Davis, but... Yeah, only for like a few lines here and there, is it? Because Ryan Davis is fucking hilarious. Mm-hmm. 
It's not too many other. Yeah, I don't know. And I'm sure there's someone out there who. Uh, matter of fact, listeners, let us know. Tweet us. CBN Movie Club. Who would who would you recast as Mike and Marcus if this movie was made today? Give me a 20-something to mid-30 actor, comedian actor who could do that. And I don't know. And I'm sure they would throw Kevin Hart in just because it's him. But I don't I don't think he would be good in this movie. Way too much cartoon. Yeah, I don't. That's not against. That's nothing against Kevin Hart. Oh yeah, no. I mean, you know, whatever. He's funny, but uh, he's so animated, man. It it would be too cartoony and silly. Yeah, I don't know. I honestly can't think of anybody. Um, So, what's what's your final rating? So, you got in the top twenty. Let's say you have to give this one through ten stars. What what are you putting in your personal list or thoughts or whatever? What is Bad Boys for you? Bad Boys 1. Uh, 8 out of 10. 8 out of 10. Not bad. 8 out of 10. Um, I don't even know. It's high for me. i probably go about a 8 as well. At 7.5 to 8. Only because I feel like I'm looking at a lot of it just with nostalgia on my head. And there probably are some things that could be picked apart. But I can't, I can't come up with anything. Like I literally can't. So I would have to have somebody who, not necessarily hates the film, but somebody who could give me some real, like, oh, I don't like this because technically this, 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 and that. So I would say a seven point five eight as well, just because I'm sure it could be better, but I don't know how. Outside of the shit that I've suggested, so I'm, 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 I'm gonna land on the eight with you. I'm gonna land on the eight. Um, yeah, so shit, that, that, that's, that's that. So y'all let us know what y'all thinking about the film as well. Um, I don't know, I think because this movie branched out and did these extra installments, and like you said, with L.A.'s Finest, there's apparently a spinoff series, I think that also helps to boost my rating, because look at the material. As Tiffany Pollard says, look at the material, like... It, it's done it and it's done it over decades like when people were counting Martin down and out you still came back like because this movie Bad Boys 3 Bad Boys for Life was rumored or discussed for a while and people yeah. didn't yeah. believe that it was going to get made or that it needed they to get made supposed to film the third and fourth one back to back yeah the third one was supposed to be out in 2019 and, Bad Boy, and the, the fourth Bad Boys would be out in 2020. Yeah. Um, neither of the two assigned on and we didn't know what the hell was going to happen. And of course, news comes out that we're doing the third one. Yeah. And then it's done so well. It's exceeded expectations. Good. Bad Boys 4 is in production. I hope the fuck it is. And I hope they smart about that. Especially, I really like the in the day and age where we got the Marvel Cinematic Universe, the DC TV shit. You got, and I'm very much a comic book enthusiast. I mean, look at the material. This is my platform. But I do like when we get stuff like this that isn't steeped in comic book lore, but still has this expanded universe. I like being able to watch a film. And it doesn't necessarily have to be Bad Boys 5, 6, 7, and 8. But knowing that you got these installments decades after one another and they're still 
Good. I can still revisit these characters. Oh, that being said, before we end it, tell me what other show or movie or that you think will be in the same universe as this bad boy shit. Like Miami Vice. Okay, Miami Vice. That's that's it. <laughs> oh shit! I had uh, one. Um, my fault. No, go ahead. Uh, Magnum PI. Okay, Magnum PI. Uh, Even though you know it's it's different, but still. No, but yeah, I'm I'm saying like exists in this world of bad boys. I had a TV show, but I can't even remember what the fuck it was. Um, fuck. Uh, shit. I would go with like insecure, but like <laughs> that's way off. Um, and it doesn't really tie into. But it was a. I, well, hell, I honestly think Law and Order exists in this this same universe up in New York. While they dealing with that serious shit, we down here dealing with the narcotic I shit. And I had another one. Um, it, but it, you know, it's it's in L.A. Mm-hmm. Uh, Starsky and Hutch. Mm, okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's it, yeah. So Starsky and Hutch and Miami Vice and Magnum P.I. Mm, okay. It. Yeah, no, them all solid, solid answers. Tell me this. Riddle me this, Batman. Finish this sentence for me. Bad boys walk so that blank could run. So what came after Bad Boys that you think Bad Boys set some groundwork for or because of Bad Boys is it can attribute some of this success to Bad Boys? Bad Boys walked so Fast and Furious could run. Motherfucker, you took my answer. Yes. I yes. <laughs> yes. I agree. I fucking oh, agree. I like it's an action movie, so, you know, the argument could be made that, oh, they're both just action franchises, but I really Blue think... Furious, Furious turned into, though, like, it just... Oh! It starts kind of like how Bad Boys <laughs> is somewhat to a degree. Yeah, yeah. Now it's like... A superhero franchise. It's a superhero franchise now. It's... It's his own Marvel. <laughs> yeah, because... I, I got theory. Okay. I can say now. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> um, hell, at the time of this recording, I believe Fast and Furious Nine trailer just dropped. I have not seen it myself yet. I saw people talking about it, but yeah, to your answer, I think you're absolutely right. Bad Boys walk so that Fast and the Furious can run. Well, uh, well, guys, remember to use that hashtag CBN Movie Club when listening to this show and the other shows in the series. I want you to use that hashtag, CBN Movie Club, to vote on future episodes of CBN Movie Night. Uh, Give your feedback on things that we said over the course of the episode. Any follow-up questions you have. If you want to talk to us directly, post some theories, uh, ideas, things you like, things you hated, and all that good shit. And, um... Shit, let these folks know where they can find you online and support you, cyber stalk you, like you from Netflix. Uh, if you want to follow me on Instagram and Twitter, you can follow me at I Sid Davis. Uh, I am the host of the Social Introvert Podcast, available wherever you get your podcasts from. Doesn't matter, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Apple, Google, 
Spotify, and I drop every Wednesday and Thursday. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Rubbing that hot shit in your ear. Of course, those links will be in the show notes. And of course, if you got here, you should know. But in case you don't, I am Brain Coleman, the Carefree Black Nerd. Find me any and everywhere online, uh, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Google Play, Instagram stories, all that good shit. Uh, Twitter, Carefree Blurred, all other social media, Carefree Black Nerd. Check out the other episodes in this series. Give some feedback on those as well. Um, check out other shows. If you want to hear more of uh, Mr. Sid Davis and I, check out Knights in Gotham Podcast. That is our official Batwoman review show. Uh, check out Social Introvert, of course. All the other shows on BYNKRadio.net. Um, yeah, and other shows in the feed. Give feedback. And uh, let us know what you think. So, until next time, guys, stay carefree, stay nerdy, stay geeky, and stay the fuck away from drug dealers, especially them foreign ones. Additionally, if you have a partner, please quit lying to them. Just tell them what the fuck is going on. It'll make for an easier transition in the end. And also, if you're a white person starting off in black films, Please do not shit on black entertainment once you make it to your status, your your expected status. Um, yeah, so check us next time. All right. Rusty Jackson of the Social Government Name Podcast. <laughs> Damn. <sighs> All right. That's one of the name of my episodes way back, Social Government. Social, okay, okay. I'm a, <laughs> link that in the show notes, goddammit. All right, all right, let me see. <clears throat> Take two. Welcome to CBN Movie Night. I am your host, Rain Coleman. This podcast is a carefree black nerd movie club where we review and critique movies, both nostalgic and current. Today I have with me Sid Davis, the social introvert of the Social Introvert Podcast of Government Name. Bruh! Bruh! I meant to say BY. Hey, this is what I'm finna do. Take three. Shit.